It's a nice uh, rainy LA evening here. We got that nice uh, ambiance, that nice Reliant K uh, porch session ambiance going on in the background. Yes, it is very rainy. <laughs> maybe, maybe not great for this song, like necessarily, but it's oh, a no, vibe. It's it's a mood. Well, this, it is. This is a moody that, song. This is a moody song. We got it's a, a moody song. sky for a moody song. I just meant this is not one of the songs ever covered with a, you know sort of background rainy atmosphere i guess we'd have to do a song from the apathetic ep for that this is the cover of this this is the sunny cover of mm-hmm. oh i see this is yeah, not the yeah. the overcast cover of the apathetic ep but this song could easily be on the apathetic ep we're just blazing right into it are you ready to talk about the song in the cold open <laughs> Just have a whole song, a conversation about the song before we even get to the episode. So, yes, this week we're doing, not this week the trend, which is the song right before this one, but this week we're doing Life After Death and Taxes, parentheses, Failure 2. And you'd think we should do this song a little closer to tax time, right? A little closer and into April, but no. This is your call to start doing your taxes now. We're in tax season. This is a call to file early. Get your taxes done, folks. Don't wait to the end. You don't know what files, what receipts you're missing. Don't start it right before it's due. That is the Sadie Hawkins pod community service. (laughs) So that was your your we're not gonna, your accountant Danny PSA. Yeah, we're not gonna be we're not gonna be not able that to, you're a tax accountant because you're not. But no, I'm not. But we're not gonna be able to edit if it's raining like this because you'll be able to listen and hear like oh a giant burst of rain just suddenly disappeared <laughs> in the middle of what he was saying. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello, everyone. April just winked at me. Oh. The dog just winked at me. Are you being cheeky over there? <laughs> I think her just coincidentally one of her eyes blinked, but it looked like she winked at me. And now she's looking for a treat. She says, you're podcasting, so I get a treat. It's yep. a bribe, so I won't bark. <laughs> she's just looking at me. I gave her the treat. She was very good during our interview. Mind you, it did on the cameras look like, because we have a guest <laughs> coming up later in the episode, but it did look like I had like a weird dog face and bottom <laughs> growing out of my shoulders. But Yeah. So yeah, this week on the podcast, we're having actor and musician Jack Griffo, which some of you might know from the Thundermans on Nickelodeon. We'll talk about that. We talk about that way later in the episode. I wasn't familiar with the Thundermans, but I was familiar with some of his credits. And we'll get into that in the episode. The It's an interesting conversation because, like, I had all these questions prepared. We were, you know, here to talk about Reliant K. He's a Reliant K fan, and, like, I have all these questions prepared. Like, uh, you know, what do you think of this about Reliant K, and how'd you first get into him? He just starts, he's ready to talk about Reliant K. Yeah. He just starts blazing through all my questions. Yep. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we we're here to have, have a to conversation. <laughs> nope. Just here to have a conversation. So it was uh, fun to have him on the podcast, and that'll be coming yeah. up later. But yeah, we're talking about life after death and taxes. So we'll just kind of get into it. Although there is one voicemail. I guess there won't be a long preamble to this episode so we can yeah we can get to that interview because it's really it's really good i think it was a lot of fun yeah but there was one voicemail from last week from daniel that i promised to play so let's play this 
Paige Daniel again, sorry. Uh, has some thoughts about outro as well. Um, so I know I've said before that, like, I think the, like, outro and Slayer and Baby, all that kind of stuff on this album is, like, kind of them, like, fully realizing their, like, Reliant Coda concept. He said Flare, but it sounded like he said Slayer, and Google Trans Google Voice thought he said Slayer as well. He's like outro and Slayer and baby, all kind. Of- Welcome to our Slayer podcast. Yeah. The fur of the for one of the furthest things you can get from a Christian pop punk podcast. <laughs> um, but I did think about it recently, and like I still believe that. But like, it is interesting that all those all those on this album. Um, it's it's funny that they're separate tracks because they are actually more a part of their main song than any of the ones previously. Like if you look at a song like Pressing On or Be My Escape, those codas at the end of those are like new chord progressions and new melodies and new lyrics like entirely. Um, you know, they fit with the rest of the song, but they are things that have not been previously introduced to the music at all of those songs. Whereas um, you know, all of the, like, outro obviously is, like, lyrics from, like, the bridge and and the end of the chorus and stuff like that. You know, maybe the little guitar part is, like, new, but, like, the melody and stuff that Matt is singing is, is part of, <laughs> part of it. Um, and similarly with Baby, you know, maybe, maybe Baby started as a separate song from Savannah, but they do incorporate it into I guess the bridge of, of Savannah and with Slayer, um, you know, I don't know that those lyrics are in, uh, Candlelight, but the melody that he's singing it with through is very similar to the melodies of the verses of that song and the guitar part. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what that means really. It's just kind of interesting that like they were like, Hey, let's kind of do that thing again. But, like, this time they'll actually be, you know, continuations of the song. Um, but we're also going to make them separate tracks. So, I don't know, just some interesting decisions there. Um, and, then, I mean, obviously, this is the end if you want it. It's like, that's just all the same song within the two halves for some reason. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Make it out what you will. Good topic because there are there's codas and stuff. There's all kinds of movements and theatricality and different phases of this song that we're talking yeah. about this week. But yeah, I think my theory on because we're almost done with forget not slow down and we're almost done with mm-hmm now. But my theory about uh, forget not slow down and why they separated these outros into separate tracks and then and the intro on Savannah. And then they separate This Is The End If You Want It into quote unquote, into two quote-unquote songs, which they're not. This Is The End If You Want It. it to me, it's, it's one song, and they separated it on CD tracks as just kind of a lark, I think. Some sort of artistic statement, which is what I think the majority of all of those outros and intros and interstitial tracks on Forget and Not Slow Down are, I think it's 2009, CDs are on the way out. 
CDs really started to decline by the mid 2000s. Like it was by 2006, 2007, I kind of stopped buying CDs. And I think that 2009 CDs are kind of on the way out. And I, it's my theory. Maybe we could ask a Matt someday if they're ever on the podcast. But I think they do all those little tiny tracks on Forget Not Slow Dance because like this format is dying. Let's have some fun with it before it's totally gone. Let's give people a, a reminder and a reason to go out and buy the CD. Let's mess around with the format of this CD again. And they always like doing that stuff because they've always had they have always had pre-gap tracks on a lot of their albums. But I think the failing of it was when that album was sold digitally, digitally they yeah. should have reworked the track list. They shouldn't have kept them as separate tracks digitally. It should have just been a CD specific experience to hear those interstitial tracks on separate track numbers or someone who burns, rips the CD to their own iTunes. They get to experience it that way. This is not that crazy an ask because I mean, air for free has a totally different track list on the vinyl and Matt Hoops has explained exactly why he did that. I think it's not that crazy to have asked that they should have done something similar to that with Forget and Not Slow Down when it was sold digitally. But that was always a, f- a failing of iTunes overall. iTunes always directly emulated the CD track list. They hardly ever like specially reconfigured it for the streaming experience. Right. Spotify does that now. I'm not going to get into it, but the hidden track thing, like that's a part of that. But like when CDs get re put onto Spotify, they don't necessarily have to emulate the CD structure any longer. I mean, like the deluxe edition of uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness is like eight hours long. <laughs> like that's an experience specific to the streaming world. And, you know, whatever. So thank you, Daniel, for calling up. Sorry we didn't have time for that voicemail last week, but this week. It was a failure. It was a failure to (laughs) communicate Daniel's voicemail. So this week we're talking about... I feel so strange to be getting into song talk 10 minutes into the episode. This happens once in a while. And when it happens, I'm like, something feels wrong. Uh, How you feeling, Jess? Real quick, how you feeling? Pregnancy report. Oh. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. I'm in that like nice second trimester groove where i'm feeling yeah. feeling feeling fine you're not sick around the house all the time but nope. you're always like oh he's kicking up oh, he's yep. hungry oh <laughs> yep. he's moving he's adjusting yep he's not justin that's not his name we're not letting everyone know his name yet we'll let you know when we let you know if we let you know we might not let you know maybe he won't be he won't be he won't be online <laughs> we're, we're not gonna let him have a instagram account when he's one day old yeah <laughs> Um, April's just excited that she has someone else to, coming who can, <laughs> she can share her responsibilities of engineering. Right. With. <laughs> yeah. No. He's going to start working right away. Of course. From day one, it's like, okay, here's the ones and here's Audacity. <laughs> here's the blue microphone. Start learning all this. Learn what compression is and phasing <laughs> exactly. and stuff. So we're talking about life after death and taxes. The second to let la- the penultimate song. On mm-hmm, if I'm not mistaken, which I could be, but I'm pretty sure it's the penultimate <laughs> song on mm-hmm, the original track list, not mm-hmm 10. And um, we haven't done 
Do you know how long it's been since we did an mm-hmm song? Oh, man, it's, quite I think, a while. I think it's the longest we've ever gone without returning to an album. Oh, wow. And I guess it's because we probably blazed through mm-hmm right. faster than we expected yeah. to. And when we had two songs left, we were like, oh, better slow Oops. down. <laughs> so the last time we talked about mm-hmm was Maintain Consciousness in episode 122. Okay. And we're in episode one. 75. Okay. What what date was that? Did that you pull was, that up? Yes, I did pull up okay. that date. That was November 2021. Oh my goodness. So it was over a year ago. Wow. Um let me remind let me remember what episode this is. You know, I don't know, <laughs> normally need to know. Yeah, no we're oh nope. Episode 177. <laughs> okay. This is episode 177. So it's been over well over a year since we've talked about an mm song. And this, of course, is a sequel song to Failure to Excommunicate from Anatomy of the Tongue-in-Cheek. Right. And we did that song back in August of 2001. So even okay. longer before we closed the gap on this suite of discussions of Failure to Excommunicate and Life After Death and Taxes, Failure too. So this is like an actual sequel song. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a thematic song. It's not a story song. It's not like... The Unforgiven trilogy by Metallica. It's more of an. There is some. There's a little bit of story. There's a little bit of narrative in Failure to Excommunicate, but this both songs are just about a theme. So they're kind of thematic sequels, right? And it's got it, it has mu- music, both musical and vocal similarities, which we'll get into in just a minute. Um, but the addition of the Failure Two also makes sense because as long as there's a promise of life after death, people will fail to excommunicate. And that's one of the premises of failure to excommunicate as well. Right. As long as there is a heaven, there'll be a failure to excommunicate. Right. And I don't remember everything we talked about over well over a year ago for (laughs) failure to excommunicate, but there was definitely not the themes of death specifically. I mean, I guess in the sense that you're going to go to heaven someday and failure one, there's that, but this is more specifically about like, life after death and being assured of that and everything. I think failure one, it was like, they talk about the principle and they talk about people in places of authority that they don't belong in and people of authority, uh, excommunicating you from social situations, but God will never let you down. So there's that. I don't know what, how that's exactly relevant. Like I definitely know why these songs connect in the ways that they do. But I'm just, it's just funny. I wonder what the idea was. Politics are also mentioned in this song. They are. In that first verse, which is a little bit on the abstract side. And it's like, with the exception of that first verse, the rest of the song is like very forward facing. Like the title pretty much says it all. And the title is, you know, it's a play on that old saying that the only sure things in life are death and taxes. Right. Yeah, we'll get into the lyrics. But the main two connective audio things that are between... Okay, before I get into that. So I wonder, what's the what's the origin of Reliant K doing a direct sequel song and it being to failure to excommunicate? An accident. Isn't it? An, but it could be. <laughs> could be. It could be. Like, I wonder what the origin of this song is. Because you can imagine it... it I can imagine it being one of two things. Either it is... They sat down and they said, Failure to Excommunicate was a 
song we liked, but it didn't do it didn't have every idea we wanted. So let's kind of do it again. Let's kind of but it, you know, new melody, new message, we're a little bit more mature two albums later. I do think lyrically the song's a lot more mature than the first one even though the first one does have some important things to say and they're very poignant things especially for guys in their early 20s but just two years later both musically and lyrically this band has matured hugely and I think that you know this song clearly is like if they were looking at failure to excommunicate and saying we had some good ideas there we almost hit the mark I have a new melody that's similar. Let's try to do that again and we'll call it a sequel song so people don't think that we're just like, you know, self, uh, what do you call it when you steal work from somebody? Plagiarizing. <laughs> Plagiarize. People don't think we're, we're just self-plagiarizing. That's how it could have come. That's how the song could have come about. Or it could just be they wrote this song and they said, oh, this kind of reminds me of Failure to Excommunicate. Uh, maybe we should call it Failure to Excommunicate too. And then the two things that they do, production-wise, that tie directly to Failure to Excommunicate is it's actually Dave singing for the beginning part of the song, and it's Dave singing the beginning part of both of, both songs, right. of the Failure to Excommunicate and Life After Death and Taxes, it's Dave singing, which I did not realize forever, because I just find Dave Douglas's vocals to be so similar to Matt Thiessen, that every time I realize it in, like, Who I Am, Hates Who I've Been, and stuff, I'm like, oh, that was Dave singing? When I see a video, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Dave singing. And then I didn't realize this until after our guest our guest interview, because, you know, he's talking about Thiessen and that, and if I realized it was Dave, I'd have been like, actually, this is Dave Douglas singing. I had no idea at the time. I didn't realize it until I... W- did you know... Did you realize it was Dave? I... I, I realized that it wasn't Tyson okay. singing like the intro part, but I didn't know who. And the thing is, is that this is definitely a song that I have never taken too deep of a dive into well, until this well. week. <laughs> yeah, it was usually a skip, I think. And I really only knew part of the chorus and the first bridge before this week, because this this song is interesting where the bridge or one of them is actually the catchy part of the song and not necessarily the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this song has just always sounded to me like something that would be playing at, in Hot Topic at the time, like in 2004. So right. it's never been, it's never, I've never been a big fan of it. Well, that that's also something, that's also a connection between the two songs is that in both cases, it's Reliant K doing something much heavier and a little bit more like, you wouldn't call it metalcore. You wouldn't, you could call it metalcore. You could call it basically metalcore or hardcore, but through a pop punk Reliant K lens. Mm-hmm. It's it's not easy core. It's not that easy core thing that people talk about. This is like the form of like a hardcore metalcore song, but through a Reliant K lens. So it's, you know, but it is also by measures a pretty heavy Reliant K song. And I also think like, does a song like this inform some of the sound for five score and seven years ago? Because even though even though there are big pop songs on that record and there's like very there's like twee pop on five score, I still think of five score. 
the main feeling I leave with that album is it's like their thrash metal album. That's the joke. Right. But it's just the heavy songs on five score to me feel so much heavier than anything else. Any other album by whole by Reliant K. So when I hear this song, I think like, does this kind of inform the heavier sounds of five score? And I think that this is also kind of an indication of how the band has matured because the attempt at doing something sort of heavier and like metal metal inspired, hardcore inspired, but still clearly pop punk, just like a heavy pop rock, pop punk thing on Failure Decks Communicate, it's not all it's not quite there. It's they're not really hitting like any clear influences. They're just kind of doing like a heavy worshipy screamy song but then i feel like the attempt at doing something heavier and screamier and more hardcore through this pop rock pop punk lens i feel like it's a way more successful attempt at what they were doing musically with this song Mm. so that's why i think like theory one of what i said could be more likely that they were like failure to excommunicate didn't quite hit exactly what we wanted. Let's try it one more time. I have some similar ideas for a part two. And I think one of those things that they hit tried to do better was actually what, like, what is a heavy Reliant K song in the mm-hmm times? And also, like, around this time, 2004, pop punk music, like Warp Tour music, is getting heavier. Like, metalcore and those hardcore those pop hardcore bands like comeback kid or whatever they're about to like take off like most of warp tour is becoming metalcore crabcore and all of that stuff so i'm in some way that probably also influences relying k because they're just on tour and seeing all these bands like in the christian scene and the non-christian scene crabcore metalcore that stuff is taking over at this time so maybe that kind of also influences the fact that they're able to do this a little better the sound a little better Hmm. so i was surprised to learn that it's dave singing but that totally makes sense now if i listened to this song more often in the last year and couple of months i might have been like oh that's not teeson singing because doing this podcast made me realize how many times dave douglas is singing and I never realized yeah, it because exactly. growing up listening to this music, if it was Dave singing, I just thought it was Tyson. They just sound exactly the same to me. When it's Hoop singing, I'm like, oh, that's not Tyson. I can tell that, but I could never tell when it's Dave. My ear's a little bit more tuned now, but still, if I listened to the song over the last year, I might have glommed onto it, but I, I failed to do that. It was a failure to <laughs> communicate that it's Dave Douglas singing. This song is, is in addition to being musically sort of heavier and darker, it, this song is also almost as dark and graphic as Sahara, maybe more so, with the lyrics, With a scalpel, piece by piece, they cut me deep and bleed me dry, till there was nothing left to bleed. Which, right. not lyrics you get often <sighs> uh, in a Reliant K song. I thought about it, and I think there's... Aside from references to blood, which is usually in reference to, like, Calvary and Christ's blood and stuff like that. Forget those. That's Christ's blood. Gory references, even if they are similes or metaphors for salvation or not, really gory references. There's three songs. There's Let It All Out, there's Sahara, and there's this. 
Sahara is the only one where it's not really a Christ Christ reference. It's not really a salvation reference. Right. It's more just about himself and his own difficulties and failings and anxieties and everything. Let it all out. And this they're used as well. I think was let it all out was actually about like like pulling yourself apart for God. In this case, it's someone else, the enemy taxing you. And the enemy it could be some other entity, someone outside of you taxing you piece by piece, pulling you apart, and you're looking for salvation. So that's interesting. The three goriest Relying K songs, each gory metaphor is something different. Let it all out. It's about, you know, letting out your letting yourself out for god in some way i don't remember this isn't the let it all out episode (laughs) this song it's about getting pulled apart by some force outside of yourself and it's taxing you and in sahara it's about you feel like you're lost in the desert and you're being eaten apart by uh vultures and everything there's also one other major connection between this and the original song is that they both end with that loop of violins yeah which I think is the same violins. I should actually go get the CDs and see who's credited for playing strings on Anatomy. And if the same people are credited for playing strings on this song, uh, Death and Taxes, because I'm pretty sure it's just the same thing. I think they basically sampled themselves. It seems to me like they just it's took... It's Vitamin String Quartet. <laughs> that I'm would be kidding. really cool, actually. <laughs> that would be really cool. <laughs> Here, I'm going to go grab the CDs. Tell the people... Okay. Oh. Tell the people what you know about taxes. <laughs> Do you have any tax advice? Uh, I know that my wonderful husband does them for us every year. That's what I know about them. <laughs> I actually don't think I've ever done my own taxes. I think my mom did them for me, and then we got married, and then Danny started doing them. So that's probably something I should, like, learn how to do eventually. Although we use TurboTax. Use TurboTax. Everybody says it's super easy. Our taxes aren't that complicated. I just use TurboTax. There you go. File early, everybody. (laughs) It was nice. You know, the Patreon, we had a really good year last year for the Patreon. But I was like, oh, man, are we going to have to report this? Right. Because, um... It differs by state. It differs by state. And my understanding was that it's like $600 gets you a 1099. And now you have to pay taxes on that $600 you earned, which seems ridiculous. I mean, I know this from having worked in advertising for years. If we hired anybody and they earned and they weren't a staff member, if they earned $600, we had to report them to the IRS. And we made, hey, I don't mean to, I don't mean to brag, but we did pretty good on Patreon last year. And I thought we would have to. Thank you, patrons. We love you. Thank you very much. But then it turned out, for whatever type of income you call Patreon. The government took your money. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, Man. Whatever kind of income you would call Patreon, the limit in California is $21,000 or something like that. I'm like, oh, we didn't make $21,000 no. <laughs> on Patreon. Sign up now at patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. Get us to that next tax bracket, guys. <laughs> Let's see. Additional- or taxed bracket, as the case may be. Okay, so I don't recall, and I do not have time to, and I'm not going to listen to all of Anatomy of the Tongue-in-Cheek, <laughs> but on the Anatomy of the Tongue-in-Cheek, additional players, Cello, Madeline Burl-Max, Viola... Played by Ann Smith. Violins, 
played by Heather Walker and Corey Smith. And then a French horn played by Crystal Brzezowski. Then there's gang vocal credits, nylon string and slide guitar by Rob Roy Fingerhead. Um, so I'm guessing that those cello, viola, violin, violin. Was there a French horn in that sample at the end of both uh, Failure to Excommunicate songs? I'm not sure. But now let me go to mm-hmm and see, is anyone credited with the violin at the end? Uh, produced by Mark Lee Townsend and Matthew Thiessen. Engineered by... Uh, so it's, it's like a block of letters. Additional engineering. No. Mixed by. No. It's a block of words. So i got to read these out loud. Mixed by. No. Mastered by. No. Uh, recorded at. No. Additional dubs. Maybe. Executive producers. No. Design and illustration. No. Co-creative direction. So there's no credits for other musicians on mm-hmm. And that leads me to believe that it is... I mean, it sounds like it to me that it is basically a self-sample, that they're sampling at the end of Life After Death and Taxes, they're sampling the same string section that was used at the end of Failure to Excommunicate on Anatomy of Tongue and Cheek. So there you go. That's cool. There's a lot of lyrics that I want to go over, so we're not even close to talking about the lyrics yet. But there's... It's interesting because we parse out... It's interesting to me <laughs> and to, this, to the history of this podcast because over the course of all of these songs, we've parsed out these thematic concepts. Not even thematic concepts, but these characters of Matt Thiessen. These tendencies he has musically and lyrically. And in this song, you get three of those Matt Thiessen characters that we've parsed out. Can you guess what they are? Oh, ooh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> What's the most famous one? What's the most Bad popular? Friend Bad friend Bad friend Tyson, the number one Tyson character, not personified as a voice that I do on the show, but the number one Tyson <laughs> reference we do. There's a little bit of Bad friend Tyson in this song. It's not a main theme lyrically, but it's in there. The second one, there's theatrical Tyson. I was going to say. There's so many movements. And yes, this is like a heavy rock song, but like... It has this theatrical range of movement throughout these different pieces of music that it's definitely a theatrical song. And then the other one is Penitent Tease. And obviously the whole song is about penitence and asking for salvation and looking for your salvation and being glad for your salvation and knowing there's a failure to excommunicate. Well, I don't know what you... Maybe we'll find this out when we look through the lyrics on Genius, but... There's so many, like, different bridges. Are they all bridges? There's so many sections that never repeat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a later bridge. So about two minutes and 40 seconds into the song, my one main criticism, the musically that I don't care for, is this part. Not this. This rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so this is fun. And then they bring it down right about here. This part. The thing I don't care for is the whoa, whoa underneath, like the harmonies, the like whoa's underneath. I don't care for that. That's one part musically that I don't really like that much. According to Genius, that is the second bridge. The second bridge. So during bridge, starting the second bridge, during bridge two, when underneath you hear a harmony going whoa. 
Oh, I don't like that. I just don't like that part. I feel like they could have achieved the same thing with some sustained notes. I don't know, some keyboard, some guitar. Like, I feel like you could have taken out those background vocals and replaced that with some sort of instrumentation to get the same basic effects. Sorry, I I knocked the table. But, yeah, that's my main gripe musically with the song. Otherwise, I like this song, you know, musically. Lyrically, it's pretty heavy is it one of the heaviest songs on mm-hmm. it's funny that this album that's like known for high of 75 and having this cover with the sunflower it ends with two pretty musically down songs mm-hmm. when i go down and this song are the closers of this album they're both pretty heavy that's true and i mean it all of course they both have that relying k hope so it's not like an absolute like uh <laughs> like completely dour sad way to end the whole album but it is you know by comparison to the rest of the album these two songs closing out the album especially this week the trend this week the trend is such a big happy friendly bop even though it's also another bad friend Tyson song one of the pinnacle bad friend Tyson songs it's such a happy bright friendly bop leads directly into this very heavy heavy musically heavily heavy thematically and then it goes into when i go down which is a very like you know dour but with the hope with the you know with the hope and faith and everything it's just like it's just funny that the whole album ends with these two more downbeat songs and one one thing I'm surprised is that this song is not was not a big live staple. This is probably one of the definitions of an album cut. They played it a bunch for a couple of years. Maybe it doesn't technically count as an album cut, but basically it was one of those songs that after Dave left, they didn't play it. After Dave left, Dave would sing it live, and after he left and Ethan took over, they didn't play this song anymore. Well, that makes so, sense. Yeah, so it's not one of those like songs that people are absolutely requesting. It seemed to be like a transitional song, like a liminal song right. that would get them have through the set list. Have they played it since Dave came back? They have, but not a ton. Gotcha. They played it a handful of times with Dave back mm-hmm. in the band. Actually, let me check set list and let you know specifically. So in 2007, they played it. Well, this is Setlist FM back then. So imagine this is probably this could be two or three times more. In 2005, they played it 26 times. In 2006, it's recorded 24 times. In 2007, they played it 20 times. Dave leaves the band. Goodbye to this song. This song is not played again until 2012, and Dave is back in the band by then. I think right? No, no, no. He's not. 2012. That's still Ethan. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, oh, I think I have that recording on YouTube. I think I have in, in Ohio, Dave came by to the show. Oh, gotcha. And he came up on stage and he actually sang his part up in the front of the stage. Then in 2014, they played it a whole bunch again. Gotcha. And that makes sense because by then Dave is definitely back in the band. So it did become a live staple once Dave, not a staple, but it became a consistent live song for 2014. Oh, of course, because of Mm-hmm 10. Duh. Right. <laughs> they played Makes because sense. of the Mm-hmm 10. So forget that. So this was a, that doesn't even count. So this was not a song that they played a li- live a lot, except for the first couple of years after the album. I'm good with that. <laughs> what other notes do you have about the music and the lyrics? we got to go over the lyrics in a little bit. I know you don't want to. I know it triggers one of your main anxieties. We can <laughs> skip that part. Do you think when he's like, every breath that I inhale is followed by exhaling, do you think that's in reference to the fact that Brian is just about to leave the band to join Inhale, Exhale? No. (laughs) 
So Do I think that line inspired the band name Inhale Exhale? No. So you want to go over the lyrics real quick and then sure. we'll do your deep dive? Sure. Sure. <sighs> First one. Hey taxi, take me straight to the heart of it. The nucleus of politics where somebody somebody started it. Cause they taxed me with a scalpel piece by piece. They cut me deep and bled me dry till there was nothing left to bleed. So this reminds so interest so it's so some classic Tyson wordplay. Is it Tyson that wrote this song? That's also a good question. <laughs> Did Dave have any lyrical input into the song? I got the booklet right here, so I can look. Are there like no credits on this album? Like there's just oh all songs written by Matt Tyson. No input by anybody else. It literally just says all songs written by Matt Tyson. Okay, so. Some immediate classic wordplay by Matt Thiessen, because he's he's referencing a taxi, and this song is about taxes. Get it? Is the origin of the word taxi in reference to taxes? Was it was like a ride that you paid a tax to take? Maybe. So it also makes me think of like being taxed, and he's saying they taxed me piece by piece, the nucleus, and the nucleus is part of your, makes up your body at the molecular level. I never knew what this phrase means. Have you heard the phrase "body politic"? I've heard that. I've heard that phrase. I've heard that phrase before. It means the people of a politically organized nation or state considered as a group. Nope. I guess it has nothing to do with it. But I feel like when I hear the phrase "body politic," I always hear it as like a euphemism or an artistic rephrasing for some sort of like some sort of artistic like a story like a poem like lyrics so i was never sure what the phrase body politic mean but meant but maybe that's what they're referencing here i don't know (laughs) good point danny not really hey taxi i know you just read this i'm gonna read it one more time hey taxi take me straight to the heart of it that's another reference to the body the nucleus of politics where somebody started it because they taxed me with a scalpel piece by piece they cut me deep and bled me dry till there was nothing left to bleed so it's an interesting weird little scene where he's calling a taxi and going straight to the heart of it the heart is part of the body the heart of it is also the center of the issue Mm -hmm. and politics is all about the issue and the nucleus is the center of the your body at the molecular level where and this some situation is just you know grinding at him and yeah. you know cutting him out piece by piece where somebody is it where is he actually did he use the word somebody because it also has the word body in it i mean i wouldn't put it past him he could he that it could be that deliberate somebody started it cuz they taxed me with a scalpel piece by piece they cut me deep and bled me dry till there was nothing left to bleed and then this is like that referencing like you can't get blood from a stone like taxing people until they're 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 bled dry like this idea of like some body some 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 body politics some Entity outside of you just taking and taking, nickel and diming you until you have nothing left to su- to supply for your family or anything. I'm not getting into the politics of taxes here, even though I feel like that's going to have to, that is a that is something that they're alluding to musically, uh, lyrically. Chorus. 
And this is how I choose to live, as if I'm jumping off a cliff, knowing that you'll save me, knowing that you'll save me. And after all the stupid things I did, there's nothing left to forgive because you already forgave me. Yeah, you already forgave me. So he's talking about living, just like living the way you're expected to, right? I feel like our guest talks about that a little bit, so I'm influenced by what he said there. But it's like living fearlessly, knowing Mm -hmm. God has your back. There's a little danger in the idea of saying, like, this is how I choose to live as if I'm jumping off a cliff. Like, living with such, sorry, I'm hitting the table, such reckless abandon that you're putting yourself in danger, but you're like, eh, God's got my back. Because there's that story about, like, the guy who is uh, lost at sea, and he prays for God to help him. This is a story, like, a million pastors and even, like, rabbis have told, you know, the story. The guy's like, uh, he prays for help, and someone comes by in a boat and is like, I'm here to help you. And it's like, no, no, don't worry. God will help me out. And then, like, an airplane comes, a helicopter comes by, and they're like, we'll get you out of that boat. It's like, no, 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 God will help me. And then he dies, and he's like, why didn't you help me, God? And it's like, I sent you a boat, I sent you a helicopter, right? So it's like sometimes when you live so recklessly, and so it's like knowing God always has your back, God's like, why'd you do that? (laughs) But... I understand the idea. It's just a matter of like of of curbing your own uh, meaning to what exactly that means. Like if you're totally reckless, if you're thoughtless and rude, if you're awful, if you're putting yourself and others in danger because you think you are so ordained and blessed that nothing will ever happen to you, that's reckless. But it's like I don't. He's he's just he means like live your life unafraid. Don't literally just do dangerous things because you should do dangerous things but do the things you know you have to do don't just do things for the hell of it uh you uh pun not intended (laughs) do things actually that's the opposite of a pun because i said hell do things that you know you have to do that are scary don't just do other things that are scary just because you think eh eh he's got my back you know God love God helps those who help themselves. That's another euphemism that kind of ties into that. What's the origin of that one? I don't know. I'm not looking it up. <laughs> well, the origin of this saying is uh, there's one genius annotation, and it's just in the about section. It says the title of this song is a play on the famous Benjamin Franklin's last great quote: "Nothing is certain except for death and taxes." So then we get to verse two. Just keep driving, leave this defeat miles behind me. So far back, I'd have to track my mind just to remind me. I keep trying to pick myself back up and then move on and think about the life I'll have when this fragile one is gone. Talking about the afterlife, classic topic that Jessica just loves to discuss. So, you know, you've heard her talk about it so much. Yeah, you've heard her talk about it so much that we're just going to keep driving. But I get what he's saying there. Yeah. And then the chorus again. And then bridge one. Never forget there's life after death, death and taxes. And forgiveness comes. And all the rest is what passes away. Death and decay can't touch us now. So metal. So it is pretty metal. It is pretty metal. I didn't think about it that way. But lyrically, yeah. It's pretty metal. Like metal bands sing about death all the time. In different ways than Reliant A does. Then we have an interlude. And then we have the bridge, the bridge two. Every breath that I inhale is followed by exhaling. 
sure as the one who never fails, I will never, I, I know will never fail me, excuse me. Outro, never forget there's life after death and taxes, and forgiveness comes, forgiveness comes, then all the rest is what passes away. Never forget there's life after death and taxes, and forgiveness comes, and all that you get it. Okay. And you get it. That's my favorite lyric. The lyrics are, are, are surprisingly more simple than I feel like I'm left feeling that they are when I listen to the song. The ideas weave in and out. He's hitting you with a lot of emotional concepts. Uh, he hits you with some real physical ideas. Dave hits you with some real physical ideas right off the bat. Uh, comparing, you know, the the grind of life to being taxed. You know, and what is more taxing and grinding to life than having to pay your taxes? File early, folks. File early. Um yeah, I don't know. I like I like this song. I think it definitely it it's it's going for something and it's pretty important and it's pretty important to this album. Cuz like I said, Mhm is thought of as kind of like a light, breezy, fun pop punk album. Reliant K fans know there's way more depth to the lyrics. But I think if you're going to like show someone I think it's possible that if you're going to show someone, hey, Reliant K is a little deeper than you think, you could, like, point them to this song on this album. You know? There's other songs that try to go for deeper things on the first three albums, and they don't quite hit the mark. They're a little bit more immature. Reliant K doesn't quite get to exactly what they're trying to say, but I think with the maturity of mm -hmm, musically and lyrically... You know, they got to a place that this is a very sound, cohesive idea, even if it's throwing a lot of things at you. And that's kind of showing the maturity and the talent that they're that Matt Thiessen is developing into 2004, where he can kind of throw, you know, he can have these different ideas and he's throwing all of them at you. But it's kind of holding together in this one song. Now, the song itself, do you want a darker, more heavy more uh possibly upsetting reliant k song this you know there's obviously some origin here to deathbed and dealing with really deeper you know uh difficult to handle subject matter that we're not going to talk about right now <laughs> it's telling that they played this song a bunch like maybe artistically this was a very fulfilling song for them but then when dave left the band they just never really got back to making this a song that they enjoyed playing live and i think that's a little telling that this song definitely achieved something they were going for but it just wasn't like the 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 a song that would remain with them like all the time forever so i wonder how people think about this song overall you know? Well, we'll find out with song meanings. Oh, boy. <laughs> Which we won't go to a break. Pretend we're ready. We'll go to a break. And we're back. Because our real break <laughs> will come right before the guest. So, over on song meanings, it's interesting. Song meanings has the correct title, but has the lyrics posted to This Week the Trend. Oh, did you go to This Week the Trend on song meanings? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but all of the comments are about this uh song instead okay. so tenor shoes on february 26 2007 said benjamin franklin said but in this world nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes in a letter to john baptiste Leroy in or Lois in i think this song is a playoff of this yes <laughs> indeed 
Jessosaurus, not me, on August 13, 2007 said, I love the metaphor of faith feeling like jumping off a cliff knowing that you'll save me. I'm not very religious, but their music makes me want to experience that. Smiley face. Hmm. Uh, Microwave on June 19, 2008 (laughs) said, this song is so hardcore. And I don't just mean (laughs) hardcore like cool with a K or they spell cool with a K. Or they scream a lot, although it is cool and they do scream a lot. They also spelt cool with a K again there. I mean that it's hardcore Christian punk. It's very political, (laughs) social, and religious, and it makes think. And it makes think. Not what about the lyrics mean. You could understand what Thiessen is thinking most of the time. He is usually one of the best. He is one of the best lyricists ever, but about life and stuff. Very well said, Microwave. Uh, Then there's a lot of people correcting the lyrics. (laughs) Which apparently they never did. (laughs) Drummer Girl on May 22nd, 2005 said, I really love this song, especially the line, Sure is the one who never fails, I know will never fail me. It's my comfort when I'm scared or sad. That's really beautiful. Transit Somonym on August 19th, 2005 said, I know this song is supposed to be part two of sorts to failure text communicate, but I don't see much relation between this song and the other. Well, hopefully they (laughs) discover this episode. Uh, Then there's someone saying the end with the violin in response to them. All the gory references. Is anyone offended by all the gore in this song? Are they like, my mom took away this CD because it's too gory. And then she burnt a copy that removed all references to gore and dating and gave me that CD back. Donkey Kong 325 said on March 25th, 2006, failure to excommunicate is all about how he or anyone got excommunicated or rejected by the world or the church, but still found acceptance with God. I think the song is about how he got rejected and kept trying to find acceptance with the world. He couldn't find anything with the world. They cut me deep. And let me dry there until there was nothing left to bleed. Does it say let me dry? It does. But God <laughs> forgave him for trying Censoring to do... gory parts of the song. ...to do things on his own. Forcing Matt to remember there's life after death and taxes. Great song. Oh. Um, guitar Raro Wannabe on August 22nd, 2010 said, Not being a native speaker, I don't understand what RK mean by taxes. <laughs> I only know the word is part of your income that you pay that you pay to the government, but this clearly won't fit here. So what does he mean when he says they taxed me with a scalpel piece by piece? He is not seriously complaining about having to pay too much for his income to the state, is he? <laughs> I know what is the overall message of the song, but I would like to understand this detail. So please, can someone help me with that? Thanks a lot. And that was only the uh, second comment ever posted on here, so hopefully they kept reading to get some more insight. Taxi, shortened from the phrase taxi meter cab introduced in London in March 1907 from taxi meter, automatic meter to record the distance of a fare from French taximetra, I'm not pronouncing that correctly, from the German tax coin from, oh, this is just like all the... Taxi squad football. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find out if like referencing a taxi is just 
uh, at the beginning of the song is just a little punny or coined from the medieval Latin taxia to tax or charge. So yes, at the taxi, as in taxi cab, means a charge a charging car, like a, a car that charges you, not an electric car, but a taxing, it, they give you a little tax to ride. That's exactly what it means. I had an idea that that's what it would mean. So he's referencing taxis at the beginning, and it's also because of taxes. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> then over here, you can definitely tell that this is from the era of... Uh, movies like The Notebook, and there's a Reliant K wallpaper, and it's oh. two people, one of them jumping off a cliff, and it says, this is how I choose to live, as if I'm jumping off a cliff. And I can definitely see people using this as, like, a tiled wallpaper on their MySpace page. I'm surprised that I didn't find any, like, vacation videos on YouTube set to this song of people doing, like... Who you only know, heard the jumping off the cliff bit? Well, you know, people who do <laughs> cliff diving things or people who jumping into the ocean from a big distance. I'm sure there's more fun songs to choose for that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's more fun songs to do. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. Uh, then over on Am I Right, we have some misheard lyrics. Oh, boy. The... the the commenter thought they said, so far black, I'd have to rack my mind to remind <laughs> me. And the original lyrics what? are, so far back, I'd have to rack my mind to just remind me. Yeah. It, it, it almost, it's more work to hear it that wrong. <laughs> like, I understand <laughs> how misheard lyrics happen. It happens to me as well. But it's like, that misheard lyric takes more work to hear it that way. Right. Then we have an image uh, with this song quoted in the caption over on Flickr by Callan Kapush. And it's Life After Death and Tax is part of my Inspired by Reliant K series. Thanks for your support. And then they post the lyrics. And this is really cool. It looks super witchy. It's a woman in a black dress holding like a candle over her face. like Or like her arm is over her face holding a candle. And there's a bunch of other candles like lit and like just suspended in the air in front of her. And she's in front of a big building. Oh, I've seen this images. I've seen it's a really, I've, really rad. I've image. seen Callan Kapush's stuff on Twitter as well. Nice, yeah. yeah. So, Danny, what do you have for us over on YouTube? Well, there are two pretty famous performances of this song. Despite the fact that I was trying to like downplay just how much they played this live, probably the most famous live performance was at the Capitol Records session. Although they didn't play it in full, they just used speaking of interstitial tracks on Forget Not Slow Down and all of that. They used this song as the intro to performing I Still Hate Consequences acoustically at the Capitol Records sessions. So here is that performance. Taxes. 
performance of this song i but i love these capital the capital record sessions so. right and it's funny how you know this being a pretty downbeat relying k song launching it directly into a pretty upbeat relying k song that is also lyrically just as downbeat as this song so hating consequences that's a pretty downbeat concept but i still hate consequences is such a more light fun song overall i get what you meant when you were making fun of my vacation video idea and you're like a more fun song yeah like i like i wasn't going that deep with it it's like <laughs> just on the surface <laughs> well yeah so that's fantastic it's amazing it's interesting that they chose to yeah i don't know now that i'm thinking about it everything i said about what could the possible origin of this song be why did they choose to use a portion of Life After Death and Taxes to launch into a full acoustic performance of I So Hate Consequences? That's pretty interesting. What's the idea there? Was it, did they feel mm-hmm. like maybe when they were in rehearsals for these acoustic sessions and they were like, we really want to play I So Hate Consequences, but the way the song starts didn't lend itself to just launching straight into it did they need some sort of intro and then they did rack their brains and did they try covers and other reliant k songs or did they just think that like they also maybe they had two songs that they kind of wanted to bring to the table but couldn't so they're like all right we'll give you little snippets of each but they play most i think they play all of like so consequences mm. they just play a snippet yeah, so maybe they just after- maybe they just wanted to bring this song and they like had too many songs though and they're like all right this is the least of them right that we could do in this setting yeah let's just do like the intro of it right huh and just put it on the list put it on the question list for a mat <laughs> why did you play only a snippet of Life After Death and Tax is a Capitol Records. But more important, probably a more iconic Reliant K performance than than being live at Capitol Records in the studio is them playing the Rock of the Boat concert, playing oh, the premiere goodness, of right. Evan Almighty. And this is so amazing. I feel like... Schneck might have said something to us on social media about this years ago when we first posted some Rock the Boat stuff. But like, I think it was at one of the Universal Studios. There was a big premiere event and there was a big Reliant K concert for Evan Almighty. Because I guess they really wanted, I'm sure Universal Studios wanted, I think it must be a Universal movie. I I guess they wanted to get like the Christian crowd to be like lending their money to this movie. So like, let's have this big Christian thing. They have a big Christian event there all the time. They have Rock the Universe. Rock Mm -hmm. the Boat? Rock the Universe? Was it just a mini Rock the Universe, but tying into Evan Almighty? Probably. Well. Literally sounds like it. Tyson will have a little bit to say about the movie at the beginning of this particular clip. <laughs> this next song is about it's about faith, and I guess that kind of what we're kind of talking about in this uh, this song kind of goes along with that movie. So uh, we saw it yesterday, by the way, a good movie. You guys should go check it out. Evan Almighty. <laughs> Two things. One, we totally missed the boat, so to say. This song is not about anything that we vaguely tried to think it was about. This song's about Evan Almighty. Right. This song's about having faith that you're the next Noah or whatever that movie was about. (laughs) 
Right. Do you remember like God calls <laughs> yes. him to reenact? Yes. Why? Why? You know, the concept of... Oh, I don't know. Bruce... It sounds like we're going to have to to revisit the uh, that movie. I don't actually know <laughs> if I've seen it. I think I've only seen Bruce Almighty. The concept of Bruce, uh, the concept of Bruce Almighty, you know, whether it's Jim Carrey or whatever, the log line, the idea of the movie Bruce Almighty is a perfectly sound idea. God comes to some guy and he's like... I'm just going to let you be God for a couple of days. Perfectly sound, good idea for a movie. You, there's a lot you can unpack there. Do it as a comedy. Whatever. They're like, hey, hey, you've heard of King for a day? No, no, no. We're going bigger. God, <laughs> God for, for a day. day. But then Bruce Almighty, they're like, oh, uh, God asked them to like build another ark. What? <laughs> it feels, I don't know who wrote that movie, but I feel like it's like, what, what's something from the Bible? Oh, he could build another ark. Like, why? And I know it's like there's actually like a little flood happens locally and God saves those people. Like that's I think that's what happens in the third act. But because the ark saves those people at the last minute. But why? Is it L.A.? Are we about to live out (laughs) Evan Almighty right now? Is anyone building an ark in the city right now? Um, anyway, here is. And then also the second thing I want to say is Matt I feel like he really tossed it off. Let's hear him talking about that movie one more time. This next song is about, it's about faith, and I guess that kind of, what we're kind of talking about in this, uh, this song kind of goes along with that movie. So uh, we saw it yesterday, by the way, a good movie. You guys should go check it out. Evan Almighty. Evan Almighty. I feel <laughs> they're, like. They're like, you have to say something about yeah, the movie. Yeah, you have to yeah. say something about the movie. I yep. feel like he does, the, that was a contractual obligation. Absol- absolutely. This song's called Life After Death and Taxes. We're really rocking the boat now. <laughs> Never forget life after death and taxes I don't know. I feel like live, you cut this part out. I mean, maybe it's like artistically, they enjoy this song at the time. Sure, sure. But I feel like this part can leave, especially when you're performing for TV cameras. Well, they're doing a little praise and worship thing here. I guess that's true. Yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe this is fulfilling for them to do a little slowed down thing. I get what you mean, praise and worship, but also just kind of doing some like harmonious simple simple piano stuff i can see how that can be artistically fulfilling for a musician i just feel like at an event called rock the boat you can cut this part out and you can launch right into the rock song jim carrey's the last person i would trust to build an arc <laughs> no jim carrey doesn't build the arc oh evan almighty builds the arc uh jim jim uh joe uh carrey uh the office <laughs> you're uh banging an awful sorry the table steve carell i steve thought steve carell was in the first one steve carell's in the first one and it's one of the movies that broke him out as a star because he just plays one of Jim Carrey's like antagonists. He plays the guy at the news station that Jim Carrey doesn't like very much. And then Jim Carrey uses his God powers to embarrass him on television, right? But Steve Carell was not Steve Carell was not a, like a super known guy at the time, but he kind of stole the scene from Jim Carrey 
when Jim Carrey's like puppeting him, puppeting him. Do you remember any of this? I don't remember any of this. I thought that Steve Carell was Bruce and Bruce Almighty. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's the opposite. Oh. You got them backwards. You thought Steve Carell was Bruce, and you Maybe thought Jim I've Carrey seen was this Evan. One and I haven't seen the other one. I'm not sure now. The first movie, Jim Carrey gets to be God for a couple of days. Steve Carell is just well, he's a minor e- antagonist. He's even more so the last person that I would allow that to happen with. Have you seen Liar Liar? <laughs> That's true. Steve Carell was not a big star when Bruce Almighty came out. Right. He stole the performances in the scenes that he was in. And that's what helped make him a star. It's like, wow, if this guy is really funny against Jim Carrey when he's still Jim Carrey at the time, that's what helped make him a star. I'm checking my IMDb. Let me see if I've actually seen either of these. You look at that while we hear how they start to really rock the boat when this song kicks into gear. The director of the televised event of Rock the Boat was not prepared for it to be Dave singing because the camera is about to zoom in on Tyson and then you hear the lead singer singing and you actually see the cameras kind of scramble to get to Dave. Oh no. And then when Tyson starts singing again, they cut Tyson's mic. (laughs) So they have to power it back on when it comes back to Tyson. Maybe maybe, uh, we should have informed them how this song works ahead (laughs) of time. Uh Uh-oh. So I've seen Bruce Almighty. I gave it a mid, like, rating. And I have not seen Evan Almighty. Okay. So we'll watch Evan Almighty for Patreon. Oh, no. no. We won't do it as a live stream. We'll just watch the movie and then review it. (laughs) April just cried. She's like, I don't want to sit through that, guys. All I remember from Evan Almighty is that God comes back to him. And instead of giving Evan... Steve Carell, God Powers, he says, you gotta be a modern Noah. And I just don't understand, like, they were just in a room and they just threw darts at a dartboard of biblical concepts. Did you see it in the theater? I did not see it in the theater. I saw it on cable a couple years later. Because we were together by the time that movie came out. It was 2007. Jessica, you and I saw Evan Almighty on our first date. You're How do you so not remember We this? did not. <laughs> we saw Clerks 3 or <laughs> Knocked <laughs> Up. Yeah, we saw Clerks. Our <laughs> first two. date was last Sorry, year. Two. We saw two. Clerks 3. <laughs> one of our first dates, we saw Clerks 2. And then another one, we saw Knocked Up. <laughs> it's whichever one came out the uh, whichever first. one came out first. You can, yeah, you can figure it out by seeing which movie came out first. Because pretty... we dated and then broke up and then got back together. Yeah. 
because the because we didn't want to have a relationship where our first date was Clerks two. <laughs> So it's like, look, we'll break up and we'll get back together when a better movie comes out. And we what decided if it was, it was the other way up. around. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's one little thing that they do different in this Rock the Boat live, and that's this little extended bridge here. So they just do a nice little musical interlude in the middle of the version. I do like the, uh, I do really like the drums in the slow, pretty part. Yeah. Um, and then there's a 2012 performance that we talked about where Dave was in town, but Ethan was the drummer at the time. It's pretty blown out. You can go check it out. It is uploaded by, I'll let you know in just a second. It's uploaded by CM Warren 13. <laughs> Which I don't think is John Warren. I think that's a coincidence. No, that would be Jay Warren. Right. And yeah, then tons of mm-hmm, 10 performances are on YouTube. But instead, we'll move on to covers. Um, here is like a, a really heavy band called Penn Steel. P-E-N-N-S-T-E-A-L. They're just heavier than any Reliant K cover band I ever see. I'm sure they're out there stealing pens. What does Reliant K ever <laughs> steal? Except their own music. I think they're stealing Pennsylvania. P-E-N-N. Oh. Or they're stealing Penn & Teller DVDs. Wait, did you say it's S-T-E-A-L or S-T-E-E-L? S-T-E-A-L. Oh, okay. P-E-N-N steal. I was like, well, maybe it's like Pennsylvania steal. Like they have oh, you know, a lot of steel there. So maybe it's just a play is. on that. But that would be E-E-L. Uh, Chrome ad. Also, this might not be the name of the band. Well, it doesn't say actually. That's right. No, it doesn't say the name of the band. Okay, it's definitely just the YouTube user is Penn Steel. Oh, I see. But they don't mention here what the name of the band is. They don't say it in the title and they don't say it in the description. So here is who I assume is Pennsylvania Steel from 11 years ago cover, doing a pretty heavy cover of Life After Death and Taxes. <laughs> Maybe I was just distracted Man, by the... this school of rock band is so heavy. It is like a high school band. <laughs> They're not that heavy. <laughs> I think when I was going through and pulling the covers, <laughs> I was distracted by the lead, the lead guitar guy up front who is just banging the heck out of his... He, he's got long hair. Look at this guy. Oh, yeah. He is... Okay, I think I was just distracted by the head-banging guitar guy He's in the front. He's a different band, man. <laughs> yeah, because then the lead singer is like an awkward teen who's just kind of like yeah. moseying about the stage. He's got a real aw shucks the, attitude. Yeah, the lead guitarist absolutely thinks that they are covering Metallica right now. <laughs> okay, they're not as heavy as I thought. I am just looking for a hardcore or metal band to cover Reliant K, and I thought I had it, and I was totally wrong. You're, you're going to have to start that band yourself, hon. Ugh. <sighs> 
I guess so. I gotta learn an instrument. There's I gotta... a bass right there. There's no bass in metal. Haven't you ever heard Injustice for All? That's the only metal album I know, so I've always assumed there's no bass in metal. Um, here's a different full teen band live. This is uploaded by John Roden. John Roden uploaded this, and this is a though. So that other band was like six piece, so they were after Relying K's own heart. Here's a three piece band from 14 years ago. I liked the scream at the beginning, and then I realized that was not actually from someone on the stage. That was just happened to be in the background. (laughs) And then here's a church band covering it. We've seen The Gathering before. This is from 2018. This is a full-on, like, church band with a a guy that looks... Do you think they sit around and play magic after, after after their sets? Uh, no, no, I'm sure that that's not allowed, Jessica. Pokemon cards aren't allowed. Magic the Gathering is not allowed. Harry Potter is not allowed. There's no such thing as white magic. But there is such a thing as Life After Death and Taxes. And this is a cover by the, by, uploaded by Nick Wallace from four years ago. And like everyone in this band is like a different age. And it's, I don't know, is it a church? I mean, it's like, a liminal space oh, with wow. with a band set up in there and a on and a, a green screen or a green wall anyway. It could be like a church or a it's performance space, and they're all just kind of chilling and like some like the drums feel like they're set up there. So I don't know, I don't know, but I mean it's called at the gathering, so that's a church. That's got to be a church or a youth group of some kind. For anyway, sure. here's the performance. Okay, I'm going to skip ahead because this is five minutes long and then we're going to keep hearing that same opening chord over and over. Good job. <laughs> Are there Seems any like shipping a videos this song. week? No, there's no shipping videos. That's there is really for, for like Naruto. Do you want to watch the one oh. for Naruto? And then like oh, there is one. every single week, there's another Kingdom Hearts video. I thought there would be one for like uh, warm bodies or some other, you know, zombie movie. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. No, but I did not find anything like that. Um, I played three, like, you know, covers that were trying, full band covers. I know we've got to have at least... Like, you know... Like, I'm proud of everyone doing their best, but it seems like a pretty complicated song to get your group together, and it seems like it would take a lot of rehearsal. I don't know. Do you want to hear a female cover? Sure. Would you like to hear... We'll do one before we go on to our guest. Would you like to hear Guitar Girl X3... Or Soccer Geek for Christ. I feel like we've heard from both of these individuals before, possibly. Right. 
Hmm, let's go with Guitar Girl. Okay. Here is Guitar Girl's cover, and then we'll move on to our guest conversation. We here at the Decluttering Club are so passionate about helping people let go. Guitar Girl X3. This is nice. nice. I like nice this. Job, it's raw. It's fun. I like it. Seems like a hard song to cover. Honestly, like everyone's doing their best, but and there might be some good covers that we didn't find, but like seems like a pretty complicated guitar type song and it's written to be like a heavy rockin' medley song. So, I guess I don't know. It that just shows Reliant K was maturing a lot of the time. I'm like watching her do the intro to part to this song and she's like really all over that fretboard. Mm -hmm. But then when she gets into this part, it's all bar chords. So anyway. See, Dan, you know stuff. You can go ahead and start <laughs> I've that heard of band. the phrase bar chord. <laughs> I see how she's got one finger across the whole fretboard. <laughs> so Jessica, what do you think of the song Life After Death and Taxes, Failure 2? Does it tax you piece by piece? Does it fail to live up to the legacy of the first one? How do you feel? I like it a bit less. Like it a bit less? I knew this. I was just, she spoiled it. I like it about the same. I like it a little more. I don't know <laughs> if this is a song I'm going to like keep going back to now that we've discussed it and stuff, but I'm, I'm, it's interesting to see its place on the mm hmm and really pay attention to its place on the mm hmm sequence. And its legacy as a sequel song for Reliant K, which there aren't a lot of. Like, there was Hope for Every Fallen Man. Not Hope for Every Fallen Man. Uh, the Thief. The Thief and There Was No Thief. There's a theory that that's like a direct sequel to each other, even though they're kind of the same song. I don't know of any other Reliant K songs that are necessarily sequels like this. So interesting in the course of their discography. I guess I technically like it a little bit more, but that doesn't mean I love it. It's an interesting song. Yeah. And I, yeah, you know, I just I, I've noticed that as an adult, I don't really revisit mm -hmm a lot with the exception of being like a nostalgia piece. It's not something that I still sort of get uh, particular, f you know, feelings or emotions from outside of nostalgia. Gotcha. Yeah. And me, except for the fun songs like High of 75, you know, that I'll go to as a bop. Right. But the album as a whole is definitely more of a nostalgia piece for me. I, I'm older. I'm older than you. I'm older than our guests coming up. And I've been around the block long enough that there are plenty of bands that like I love, but like the really popular stuff, you start to not need as much. Yeah. And then there are other times where there are bands that I really love and the really popular stuff I still do want. 
It all depends. Like, I don't technically ever need to really listen to They Might Be Giants Flood ever again. I don't really listen to the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, let's face it. Like, they're, these are their big albums, and they're albums that I wore out so much that I completely understand the idea of you can have a favorite band and their most popular album or the album that you got into them with. It starts to wear thin, so I totally get that. I guess the only band that technically that hasn't happened with is MXPX. Like, I can listen to any one of their albums anytime. However, I don't ever need to hear Punk Rock Show ever again. Controversial take, <laughs> but I've heard it so much, I never needed to hear it. I never need to hear it again. I literally don't care if I, I would never see it in concert ever again. And it it's, sounds sacrificial, but uh, I, I mean it. <laughs> anyway, so... We'll go to our break and we'll be back with our guest, Jack Griffo. Thank you so much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. New episodes are released every other week, but you don't have to wait that long to hear more from us. You can join patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins Pod to listen to our bonus episodes every alternate week. When you sign up, you'll get access to years of backlog episodes, including our discussions of the songs from Relying K is for Karaoke, every chapter of the book, The Complex Infrastructure, known as The Female Mind, as well as other projects and features from members of Reliant K. You'll also have access to live streams of us watching fan content on YouTube and many other topics. When you sign up, you'll receive a welcome letter with guitar picks and stickers. And by making a lifetime contribution of $60, you'll be eligible to earn a special Patreon-exclusive shirt. You'll also get thanked on every episode, like our current patrons who include... Charity, Samantha H. Number 1, Samantha H. Number 2, Matthew, Bjorn, Emily, Isaac, Kindle, Joshua, Daniel, Jay, Michael, Jimmy Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, and Brady. Even if you don't want to sign up for the Patreon, you can still join the conversation by contacting us with your thoughts on this episode, your corrections, and your Relying K memories at our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE or by sending an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which are all at Sadie Hawkins Pod, where you can see the visuals we discuss on the podcast each week. And on Facebook, search for Sadie Hawkins Group to discuss our show and Reliant K. There aren't a lot of guarantees in life, but I can guarantee one thing. It's very hard to think of what to say at the end of these ad reads. Mm, true. Oh, let me hit record. I'm going to hit record so we can get this done. <laughs> Just in case there's, you know. Um, yeah, so we got started like three years ago, right? Right yeah. before the pandemic, 2019, mid-2019. And we had done a podcast before that wasn't very popular where uh, we talked about one of her favorite TV shows. And then like eventually we scrubbed that from the internet. It was kind of an embarrassing endeavor. <laughs> and we're like, we need to do another podcast. So we were thinking about ideas for a while. And then we picked Reliant K because uh, it was a band that we discussed the, like the first time we became friends, like from what, the first time we kind of met each other. Yeah. Yeah. There were, it wasn't the first time we met each other, but it was the first time we were hanging out after we met each other yeah. in college. And Reliant K was one of our first talking points. And then eventually we got married. So we're like, okay, Reliant K is clearly <laughs> an important connective tissue, part of our story. So uh, uh, yeah, that became the idea for the podcast. And then I, shortly before we started doing this podcast, I was tied into the community for a Blink-182 song-by-song podcast. Okay. And 
other people from that community started doing other podcasts that were song by song of their favorite bands. And then I was like, oh, song by song, Relying K, this is clearly the idea that we should be doing. Because then it gives us hundreds of episodes, as opposed to like doing a podcast on a band like Relying K that's kind of well known, but doesn't have like a ton of information out there. And then we're struggling for topics every week, like doing a song every week kind of confirms that we'll always have a topic to talk about. Well, it's kind of cool, too, that you like choose a band that, like you say, like isn't, you know, the most popular band in the world because it makes like the fans of that band be like, oh, my gosh, like we got to like check this out, you know? (laughs) And then we can always get information from those fans because we have a lot, like I have a history during the band's first four years of going to a lot of their early shows and talking to them and learning a lot of like, you know, information from that time, but then kind of losing touch with them as they got more popular and famous as they did around 2005. So like I have these stories that I can share that I don't think anyone else has. And then we can get those same stories from people who find our podcast and start listening and have like, you know, uh, stories about talking to Reliant K or learning specific things. Like they're just that kind of band where all the fans have very individual stories. It's not like some bigger bands where everyone's story is pretty similar. Like I was walking through the mall and I saw the CD at FYE or something. (laughs) Like that's not everybody's Reliant K story. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Unless that's your Reliant K story, which I did not mean to spoil. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not really. I mean, they're one of my favorite bands. Uh, always have been. Have been. Um, just inspired me from a, a really young age. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian house. I couldn't really listen to any other music but like Reliant K and Switchfoot and like Lecrae and stuff. <laughs> okay. um, but they were just right up my alley, you know, and they still um kind of influenced the music that I do to this day I mean I've always loved music but I was an actor primarily for you know a really long time and then my show ended in 2018 and I sort of started to to write music and um uh, you know Reliant K is just in the fabric you know what I mean like when you listen to a certain type of of sound a a band or an artist for so much growing up in those very crucial years of development it just is is in what you're doing you know mm-hmm. and um yeah they were one of my first concerts it was in new york city i want to say oh, cool. i want to say it was when that big banner came down i'm pretty sure there was an apple on it uh i was like i think i was like 10 or something like that okay. which would which would make it 2006 okay. um, is that the banner with the uh with the uh the city skyline and there's like an airplane pretty in sure. it i'm pretty yeah. sure and that was like the first time that i like waited in a line like around a block you know okay. what i mean yeah. and, and i was introduced to that sort of culture of like oh my gosh like we're all standing outside in the cold <laughs> yeah. in new york yeah. city and for all for this one thing and that's what i love about music it just like creates a community you know it's more than just listening to music it's like being a part of something bigger than yourself and I think that's what the best artists do um yeah and and yeah I just I just have the best memories of of Reliant K and uh, my older brothers lived in New York at the time and my my parents uh flew me out there 
to to go see them, but also to go see this Reliant K show. Um, and I I want to say it was at a pretty big venue. I can't forget. I can't remember what it is. It wasn't the Gramercy. It was bigger than that. Um, but but yeah, it was it was the best show and just blew my mind. And I remember uh, Tyson like going on the keys and like they're just so nostalgic and emotional and hard and like you know it's they're their own thing man nobody can nobody can touch your lion k you know yeah to me <laughs> yeah that's amazing so um we hit the ground running <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh just to just to set up for everyone listening we're talking to jack griffo and I'm, I'm pronouncing that right right griffo that's right that's right okay so uh and you're uh an actor a musician and uh it, I assume so. We had a pretty big week recently for our podcast because the official Reliant K Instagram account like uh, posted shouted something, us shouted yeah. us out for the first time. Like they had slowly been interacting with us over the last couple months, like liking our tweets and re- in like putting some of our stuff in their stories. But they actually posted a thing, and so we had a really big week. And like a bunch of people were DMing us and like catching on to us. And then I, and then you and I were talking in DMs. Was Did you hear about us from that, from that Instagram post? I think maybe, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I, um, you know, I saw that there was a Reliant K podcast <laughs> and I honestly haven't done many podcasts. I've done like a couple, but I've okay. always had a really good, really good time on them. It's like yeah. this whole medium of just like very conversational and mm-hmm. it's kind of vulnerable. And uh, yeah. And I thought it'd be a great you know, opportunity for something that I'm passionate about to, yeah. to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I know, I've i noticed that with a lot of uh, people who have listened to our show and are Reliant K fans, it's like, I don't have a lot of people to talk about Reliant K with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like they're, you know, asking, you know, they'll ask us things in DMs and they'll leave us voicemails because we have a voicemail line for our podcast. So like people get to express this thing that, you know, they love this band, but not everybody's heard of them, but they're pretty big. Like it's in like any kind of cult band. It's like, obviously they have fans all over the world, but you're not going to find like a fan sitting next to you on the subway or the bus or something. So it's always great to have a meeting point. I feel like it's one end of the spectrum. I feel like it's like, if you say Reliant K, people are either like, what? People are (laughs) like, yes, you know? (laughs) I feel like, like, no, you know. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like the band though is, probably more well-known now than the car they were named after yeah right (laughs) so funny and they're from ohio right yeah yeah they're from ohio but they have all kind of migrated to nashville right and and now uh matt hoops lives in florida so it's where they all started in ohio and then they all kind of started moving to like the southeast area yeah I feel um, like they so they sort of invented that like Midwest emo, right? You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> they were like the biggest band to come out of that like genre before that genre was even a thing, right? I've been seeing more about that genre like now in the past few years than ever, right? But, yeah. um, but man, they really just did pioneer like a sound, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and especially because like you know when people would hear Reliant K, you know it's so unique it's so its own thing but also there's like these little like god references right, right. and like people are like wait a second like is this a, <laughs> is this a christian man you know right. and even people that like and that's what's so cool about you know uh people in the spotlight that can sort of um 
moonlight a little bit, if you know what I'm saying, kind of like mm-hmm. disguise themselves as something else when really the message is is what it is. And I think it's such a uh, an amazing way to share your perspective as an artist, you know, because if people are like, you know, just shoving their message in the audience's face, like nobody, nobody, nobody really wants that, you know, right. um, but to like hook listeners with a sound that anyone can, cause that's like the most universal form of communication. It's just music and sound and people can hear it and be like, Oh yeah, I like this. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the meat and potatoes of like what they believe in and what their message is. And, uh, just powerful this is awesome stuff yeah yeah i absolutely agree we talked we've actually we've talked about that over the years on the podcast because some of my background is like i was raised in a christian home as well but i'm i was born in the 80s so there was no like i don't know there there was and i was i was raised in boston so it's like a it wasn't a thing where it was like a culture it wasn't a thing where like christian media was a culture but like i see that now like you know especially being on this podcast on social media and stuff i'm like you know, people just after my generation, uh, not even generation, but just people just after my decade <laughs> were like raising this culture of Christian media. And then like a band like Reliant K, it takes to like actually kind of break out of that in a way where the music is kind of first and the message, it's not a second, it's very important, but the message, you know, the music is the most important. And unlike since I grew up in a Christian home, but I was, my parents like didn't like music they didn't like me listening to everything but they didn't like stop me and then I discovered Christian music kind of on my own and I was like oh there's also Christian music and you know I listened to a lot of bands that were that thing you were talking about where they are very much like putting it in your face like you need to get saved and here it is and there's a place for that but um there is also a place for bands that want to be a band and then are Christian and have a faith and they make that a part of their lyrics, uh, but to like make it the music first, like bring to people together, no matter where they're coming from with music. And then if they look deeper into, you know, if Reliant, if Reliant K fan looks deeper into their lyrics, they're like, okay, there's something here. And I think that's what's so great about Reliant K is since I'm pretty familiar with a lot of bands, like not to name anyone, but the Supertones are like super, super evangelical. Like we exist sure. to get people saved. And there was right. a point early in Reliant K's history where it was like they said we are a mission, like we're here to get people saved. But they kind of like matured and especially with mm-hmm, because mm-hmm is like their yeah. big maturing album musically and message wise. Yeah. So it's like, OK, we're not just a youth group band anymore. We're going to do Warp Tour. We're going to do Jay Leno. We're going to do all these things right. and like be a band. And then people can hear what we're saying. And it, it's more it's a more powerful message that way These as are opposed to accosting wove it together. Yeah. 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 I think they're like one of the best bands to really do that. And especially because they get people from every side of every aisle. Like the fact that people can listen to them for 20 years and be like, wait, they're a Christian band. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then because it's, so the, it's so like you said, it's so kind of not in the background, but in a way, just like the music is is fr- is front and foremost. You know what I yeah. mean with Reliant K. You know, and it's obvious that um, that they that they want to make good music. You know that they say what they believe in. You know, but at the end of the day, like it is such a specific sound, and I think that's you know as me as an as an artist myself, like just starting to put music out last year, it, it is hard to like have you know um um a a harmonious um aesthetic you know Mm -hmm. and uh they've just done it so well and like you said with "Mm -hmm," it's that was really the 
the album that it seemed like high schoolers becoming adults, you know what I mean? In, in a very, um, very cool um, artistic uh, way. And I love that in all their albums, like, you know, like we, we talk about the Christian thing and like some songs are just, are, are not even about it. Some songs are about girls and, you know, some right. songs are about stuff that, you know, the band members are going through or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, uh, on um, hmm, uh, to be honest, this um, life after death and taxes was one that I didn't listen to on. Oh, repeat, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I listened to it a few times today, and crazy how poignant those lyrics still are in this yeah. climate and culture of cancel culture and left versus right and the division of it all. You know, Matt's like talking about taxi like take me to the heart of it like the center of the politics and it's just so it's kind of that liberating thing of like you know as christians i feel like we sometimes don't want to be dangerous and we don't want to put our opinion out there because we're afraid of you know uh the confrontation or the conflict or or whatever but matt Thiessen is so um specific in and the way he talks about well i'm i'm liberated you know i can go in because i know that i'm, I'm i got my back covered you know mm-hmm. and uh i think listening to that song today probably for the first time in many 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 years um it just really struck me and, and touched me um in a way of like yeah like we're we're not supposed to be on the sidelines we're supposed to get in there we're supposed to be dangerous we're supposed to share our opinions you know even if you know we don't have all the answers nobody does if you're pretending like you do like you're you're the lost one you know what i mean we're all kind of figuring it out and um as long as we're um sort of just true to ourselves and true to what we believe in then you know you really can't go wrong you know and Mm -hmm. i love that about about this song but in this album i think some of my favorites i love uh who i am hate to have been obviously Mm -hmm. um this album is my girl's ex-boyfriend right Yes, (laughs) Uh, I love that song, and that's just one of those songs that, like, you know, isn't a Christian thing. It's just like a. I feel like Reliant K has like the super emotional songs, the sort of like messagey songs, and like the cheeky songs. You know, like the chapstick and chap lips. You know, the the Sadie Hawkins dance. You know, Um, and that. Speaking of Sadie, like we can go there for a second. Mm I went to summer camp for like 10 years as a kid from age seven to 17. And it was like a Christian camp. And that was the first time I heard Reliant K was, was Sadie Hawkins dance okay. when, they played, okay. when they played that. And, you know, everyone's dancing, you know, loving the song with the older kids, you know? And I just remember being like, you know, this is super distant in my memory, but <laughs> being like, like what is this you know like this is it you know and uh like I said in the beginning of the this podcast like it's you know those super formative years you know and uh I think that's why you know music means so much to people because especially music you listen to as a kid because it's just so uh nostalgic when you hear it now and it kind of just me as an artist formed a lot of my um perspective and uh and what i like and my taste and uh, my interests so yeah that was the first time i heard reliant k with sadie hawkins dance at summer camp and honestly ever since then like it, it was history from there i just dove into their 
discography and always followed them and you know i made you know uh posts for for them and because i just wanted people to hear it and um and you know we can let's get into this like i feel <laughs> like i feel like reliant k has like left us hanging a little bit you know what yeah. i mean yeah. like you know they came out with the boomerang album the part-time lover and that was yeah. like yes, yes they're back like you know i was all about that album um but you know i'm not here to say like people are living their life you know i don't know what they're going through and who are we you know that's the whole thing of fan fan like rihanna fans of rihanna are like where's the music where's right <laughs> so i feel like that about relying k i'm like come on people yeah um but i love them so much you know and, and i'm waiting uh by tooth and nail to to hear more reliant k yeah. i think we'll be all yeah. on, you know? i'm sure yeah. something's coming this year because they already have two festival dates planned for later in this year they have furnace fest and when we were young and uh yeah so when we when we started the podcast we didn't know what was going on and a lot of people especially in 2019 that was the dark age of where's ryan k (laughs) because like they basically after the air for free album which was 2016 and they toured that until 2017 when they finish that, they kind of like stop. But it's then like th- radio silence. Yeah, radio sure. silence. I don't want to say stop because that implies they broke up. They didn't break up. But what we figured right. out as we started tracing their history, and it's not easy to trace their history because their Wikipedia is not complete. There's no books about them or anything. But and you know you got to scour for interviews. But basically, they went nonstop from 2000 to like 2016. Like they kind of went nonstop. But they had for the first decade, they had an album every year. And then, you know, for the 2010s, they had an album every three years. And then after that Air for Free album, they were like, let's slow, we're adults now, let's slow down. Yeah. And then COVID hit, because I think they were going to pick back up. We see circumstantial evidence that they were basically going to pick back up in 2020. And then that just slowed down. And because they went so long without like, they don't live online, like Hoops does the, Matt Hoops does the social media but Matt Thiessen is like, he's like earthy and stuff. He doesn't use social media that much. So right. he, so like, they're not on, they don't have a big presence online all the time. So people were like, oh, they must've just broken up and not told us. I'm like, I feel like they would have told us. I think they just kind of, yeah. circumstances were what they were and they'll be back. And I, I'm pretty sure something's going to come along this. We don't have any inside information. I'm just saying, I feel like something's <laughs> going to happen this year. <laughs> Yeah, I like took a look at their page before uh, when we confirmed to do this, and uh, I do pick that up as well. My detective yeah. skills yeah. uh, tell me that <laughs> there's something brewing in the Reliant K world, and it's very right. exciting. You know, they're still you know one of my all time favorite bands, like top top ten for sure, like no doubt. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I I just can't wait. You know, they. Uh, Man, like they're did just you, the best, you know? Yeah. Did you get a chance to go to the East Coast for this last tour? No, I, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, we had to do it because we're like, well, we're the Reliant K podcast. <laughs> and, it, and it just so happened that uh, two of the shows were near our parents' homes. Cause, oh, wow. And, this is a question for you to tie to Jessica, but I'm from Boston and Jessica's from Orlando. I'm from, from Orlando. That's what we thought that we saw. <laughs> Dang, that's what, so cool. What part of Orlando are you from? I'm from Dr. Phillips. Okay. 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 I did Taekwondo there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I went I... to the first I went to the first academy. 
Okay. Yep. Yeah. I had a friend who went there. Yeah. Awesome. I lived in Celebration, the like next sure. to Disney town. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you go to school? Um, they had at that time a private school there called Celebration Academy. And before that, there was like a non-denominational school called Buena Vista Academy that like closed sure. down like right after I left middle school. So, okay. You know, yeah. they I definitely know of them. That's so funny. Yeah. Orlando yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Love the Orlando thing. Great place to grow up. Like a lot of art, a lot of performance art around yeah. there. Yeah. A lot of community theater, and that's kind of kind of how I got into it. My my older brothers went to Dr. Phillips High School, and they're one of the biggest okay, yep. theater magnet programs in Central Florida. Yeah, and uh, so I just grew up just idolizing that, and uh, moved to LA when I was thirteen with my mom, pretty much. Okay, yeah. okay. nice. Yeah, pursue this. So. Yeah, yeah. That's we great. um we met in Orlando. We went to film school. Went to Full Sail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we went to Full Sail, and that's where we met. And then we moved to New York for a while. And then we moved here in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. To LA. Yeah. So. To LA. Yeah. You're in LA. Yeah. yeah. We're in LA. Oh, <laughs> I guess shoot. I didn't mention that when we were talking. Yeah. We should have yeah. done this in person. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you, I thought you guys said you were in the Bay area. I, I don't, I don't know why I thought that, but that's so cool. You guys are here. What, what, yeah. what area are you guys in? We're in uh, sh- the Sherman Oaks area. I'm in Van Nuys, bro. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> we're like right around the corner. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so funny. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then like the, I was, you know, I was talking about how we started this podcast because I was part of a community of a Blink-182 podcast. One of the other podcasts is a Jimmy Eat World song by song podcast. And he lives over here as well. Yeah. <laughs> like we're all centralized awesome. in this area. Yeah. And That's we just awesome. did a crossover episode with them. And I'm like, you're down the street. Like we should, yeah. we could also be doing this in person. <laughs> yeah. So, we, yeah. Go ahead. So Reliant K is, uh, is doing when we were young, huh? Yes. Yeah. So I have a funny story. I was there last year. Okay. Oh, okay. It got canceled. Yeah. Remember when it got canceled? Yeah. Yes. For the wind warning. Oh the wind my day, gosh, yeah. man. It was the worst thing ever, but ended up being kind of cool. So we wake up at 9 a.m., ready to go to the festival. We're only there for Sunday or Saturday, which is when right. it got canceled. It ended up happening on, on Sunday, but we were right. only there for Saturday. Oh. We had our Airbnb, it was like nine of us, and uh, we wake up to a text from one of my friends in the house and she was like guys uh, and right no. right then i just knew i just knew something was wrong in the air i knew it wasn't happening and i sure enough i look on twitter it's like when we were young canceled i'm like no uh, oh my gosh we're moping around the airbnb like what do we do you know like this is mm-hmm. so lame and we do go outside and it is really windy. So we were like, <laughs> right, well, at least it's legit, you know? Right. And, um, and we, sure enough, we start seeing on Twitter that like some of the bands are trying to do some like, you know, uh, really short notice shows on the strip. You know, we see um, All American Rejects is doing like a thing at some like barbecue joint, like okay. super <laughs> small, super small venue. And everyone on Twitter is like, don't even come. It's 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 packed. Like, you can't even get in. So that's off the table. Uh-huh. And uh, and then at this point, I'm like, OK, like this is the festival. Like we're going to find find the show. (laughs) And I tell everyone in the house, I'm like, I'm like, get ready girls. Like get in your hair and makeup. Like 30 minutes. We're out the door. Like I just knew we had to be there on the strip. And, um, and we see red jumpsuit apparatus is going to be at the stratosphere. So we go there. It's so packed. And the stratosphere is like 
the hotel on the strip that's like super old like they were not prepared for this just mass uh, of yeah. people being there we, we get there there's like military militia like on the ground like oh, no. AKs, oh like ar-15s they're like walking around there's thousands of people and they're not letting anybody in the hotel that doesn't doesn't have a room key so um, we're just hanging out there we kind of just wow. with our, you know, twiddling our thumbs we're like what do we do we find out that uh there's like another show i forget the band and then there's like some mystery show at the palms and we're like deep on reddit we're on twitter we're like trying yeah. to find a show if it freaking kills us <laughs> and um we find out uh through like a friend of a friend like somebody we knew on on um uh Travis Barker's kid, um, uh, I forget his his first name, but Travis Barker's son is going to open for Knock Blues, who's opening for Bring Me the Horizon at the Palms. Oh, wow. So we, we found out early. We got there to the Palms, like one of the first like 25 people. And we like secure our spot. And um, sure enough, like right then, like thousands of people are like surrounding the palms, oh, like man. just around the block, you know, and uh, it was like one of the coolest experiences because we got to kind of experience the the band knock loose and uh bring me the horizon we're like in this ballroom right outside of the theater and we're like listening to them sound check you know they're putting this show together like so quickly and uh it was just one of the coolest shows ever like the best visuals i'd probably ever seen and for a band to like have the means to pull that show together in the matter of three hours you know yeah. we're, we're watching the staff kind of figure it out as they go it was the coolest experience and i really wasn't a bring me fan before this you know i'd listen to their their music obviously but man their live show was really really cool um so That's that amazing. was my when, when we were young <laughs> story yeah ended up being being great but in the beginning of the day it was pretty it was a bump when we were bumped right right <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing because I remember all the memes and everyone talking about like oh we knew it it's emo fire fest it got canceled and I'm like it's not on an island the bands <laughs> yeah. are actually there yeah. but then you didn't hear about the day that that worked out the next day like nobody talked about I mean obviously yeah. there were articles about it but there were no memes yeah. about it worked out perfect the next day but I didn't hear any of like bands up and down the strip that's amazing yeah that's it was really, really cool. cool it was like this mini festival like figuring itself out as the day right. yeah i was like this is it this is the experience guys like <laughs> let's go to the strip let's figure it out you know it sounds like and, basically uh, emo south by southwest but on the strip like right. you walk down the street and walk into a hotel and there's a band playing yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty cool it was a cool experience especially you know it, it, we we kind of figured that you know we were just shot for the for the weekend you know we were gonna just do whatever like hang at the airbnb you know but you know that's what's so cool about this culture of bands is like they really do it for the music they really do it for the fans you know they probably you know um you know didn't 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 get much profit off of these little shows that they put on but like you know they know that people came from around the world to to see them and yeah. you know, they, they felt like they had a responsibility um ethically like to the fans to to do something and that's what i love about this type of music you know there's a lot of artists out there 
um, that wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? And uh, it was it was really sweet and uh, and cool that they put on these shows in the matter of like a few hours for the fans, you know, and we got there super early and we were really close to the stage, like, and the visuals were just insane. And so, yeah, Yeah. it was, it's very cool. I'm really psyched that Reliant K is doing it next year. I think it's going to be a great fit for them. And, uh, you know, especially if they put out some music. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely hoping for some new songs by then. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, there was something in there, but I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're pregnant. So it's like, we don't know if we're oh, going to be able to go. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, Thank it's you. our first kid. So it's like, well, Both obviously. you at the same time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, we definitely would want to go. But we're like, the tickets are so expensive. And we'll have the kid. We don't know how it's going to be yeah. working <laughs> by right. then. So, like, let's see. Let's see if someone brings us a ticket or something. Like, those headphones <laughs> only be- fit so big. <laughs> Yeah, you guys aren't going to be those parents with their little like baby at the festival. Yeah, right? we yeah. would. Yeah, we would. Well, little little headphones on the baby. That's yeah. so obnoxious. Yeah, <laughs> maybe when they're older, like definitely, I want to take our kids to music when yeah, they're young. When they're young, but like not like when they're a tiny baby. Yeah, I'm yeah. like those I, massive headphones will not fit on a head like yeah. This big. Yeah, <laughs> when I see kids like younger than like five out there, I'm looking at the parents. I'm like. Like, who is this for? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what's really going on here? You know what I mean? Um, but it's cool, you know? <laughs> so uh, so you have music as well. You I, you have Kid Baron is your band. And I was checking yeah. them out this week while we were getting ready to talk to you. And I really like this music. I can actually kind of hear the Reliant K influence. There's a lot of different influences I hear. There's like a lot of 90s vibe, but I also yeah. kind of, and then there's like 90s vibe in certain Reliant K things like Forget yeah. Not Slow Down is very 90s, yeah. even though the earlier records are different. But I really love these, the three Kid Baron songs that are on Spotify. So uh, what's the origin of that band? And like, what kind of influence uh, does did Reliant K have possibly on that? Like the, any other songwriting uh, influences for that group? Sure. Uh, well, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. You know, um, the band started in 2019. Um, I've always loved music. You know, I I, I never really thought that I would um, be an artist and release, you know, original stuff. I just love playing. You know, I grew up doing like community theater and musical theater. Um, but I was on Nickelodeon for, you know, age 16 to 20. And, um, and then I kind of just had all this time in my life totally changed. And, you know, I realized that I have, you know, this, this, this gift and I wanted to, to pursue it. You know, I started writing songs and nothing really that like just set me on fire though. I was just kind of teaching myself how to do it. And, um, from, from 2018 into 2019, I was just, you know, trying to kind of stretch those muscles and, you know, kind of do it for fun, you know? And, um, and then I started going through some stuff, my parents ended up splitting up. And that was really, really hard for me as it, as it is for, for everybody that that happens to. And um, I really leaned on it as my therapy, you know, I started to write these songs that really meant something to me. And my whole perspective and view of art and music and what it could mean to people and myself totally radically changed. And um I, I've been playing music with my friend Tristan for a while. He's this like, you know, badass guitar player. Like I always loved his his skills and his taste and stuff. And when I started going through this stuff with with my parents, I sort of texted him and I was like, I just 
I feel like I need to make a song. And, and he was like, come on, like, let's like come up to my house in Granada Hills. You guys know. Yep. And, <laughs> and we made this song called birds about my parents. And like, ever since then, it's just been on, like we saw the vision from the start and all of 2020, this was at the end of 2019. So all of 2020, um, that whole wash of the year that it was, right. um, was really awesome for me because I was really exploring this new avenue. You know, we we started playing with a, in, in a six piece. We had a, a, a saxophone and congos player oh, from nice. uh, Puerto Rico. And, you know, we had um, a keys player. And so for me, it was really not trying to be a rock star or, 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 or be a musician. It was just this new thing for me. And I was learning how to play and do this sort of song and dance and, and fit in with a band, you know, cause before that I had just done the music with me and my guitar, you know, and um, so different being in a band. And so that year, all of 2020 was just really exploring that as a new hobby, you know, kind of finding a new passion for music, starting to write songs that, um, well, because when you, this is a kind of an interesting point, like when you collaborate like with people, other musicians, it opens up uh, so many more avenues of, of what you're doing. You know, I, I used to just write like on my guitar and, you know, figure out the chords and the melody, but all of a sudden I had these musicians like mm -hmm. worrying about the music and I could just sort of like teleport to where I was in my mind. And my, one of my strengths is the, is the words, you know, the lyrics and I'm still getting better with, with melody, but right away I realized that when someone else is doing guitar or instruments, I could flow. And that was something that was like, oh, wow, like this is totally different now. You know, I have this band and I can just sort of like share what I'm thinking and put it into a, a song. And um, so all of 2020 was kind of that, just exploring. And then we sort of solidified in 2021 as uh the first group we were called the pulp um <laughs> okay. and uh that ended up not uh being the band um even the band name because we shortly found out that there was an english band called pulp so we couldn't really do that yeah um, but yeah that year 2021 we sort of started playing these backyard sort of shows uh a little bit frowned upon because still covid you know but we were like yeah, right. screw it. <laughs> um, <laughs> part of the problem whatever um <laughs> And uh, that was just kind of like backyard shows, just kind of dipping my feet into this whole live performance thing. And we didn't hit a studio for like two years. You know, we really wanted to just, I really wanted to just be in a band and have a, a sort of live sound down, you know, and be able to put on a show. And that was my main priority. You know, I started doing these little shows and I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is totally different from acting. Like acting is like, you're kind of sort of hiding behind this character and, you know, music is very much like, this is who I am, like take it or leave mm -hmm. it, you know? And it, it leaves less room for like to, for artists to care about the criticism, you know, because at the end of the day, you're just like who you are. And if someone's going to like come after you for that, it's like, all right, well, sorry. Right. Yeah. Um, and when you're playing a character, it's much more like, Ooh, the critics and no, you're not believable and this and that. And like, there's no, you don't really have to convince anyone when you're doing music, if you're doing it in an authentic way. Right. Um, so yeah. And then 2022 last year came around and that's really um, when we had been through a couple different versions of the band. We were the pulp. 
we were a band called the pretty grit for a second mm. and um and tristan my guitar player i have to give him credit like has stayed with me since the beginning like founding member and that has been so important to me um to have someone who has my back and uh you know we have just such similar taste and um you know i feel like it's it, it just serves the group and the band so much more when there are at least like two people that have been in it since the start, you know, and he really balances me out in a great way. I can be kind of emotional and dramatic and he can, and he's very rational. Whereas, you know, he, he's very like a, a spreadsheets kind of guy and he thinks very rationally, like I said. So um, yeah. And then 2022, we solidified as Kid Baron and we started playing um, little club shows. And I remember the first one we did was Molly Malone's in West Hollywood, the mm-hmm. Irish pub, right. sort of that like bowling alley type venue. Yeah. And we packed it out. It was pretty easy to pack out because it was kind of narrow. And um, I remember just getting off stage. I was like, oh, like this is what I was <laughs> here, put here to do, you know? Right. And uh, I never felt like that with acting, you know, like I still am passionate about acting. Like it's my first love for sure. And I still have my auditions and I still work here and there. But um, music is like the new thing for me that I'm just so passionate about. And I really see a, a vision for this group and this band. And I sort of started developing that message and that vision. And basically it's like Kid Baron is spelled B-A-R-O-N, like a, like a leader. And um it's sort of a double meaning. I, I didn't know if I was going to name it that or I was going to name it Baren, as in B-A-R-R-E-N. Um, because for me, like the whole inception of the group was like this really terrible, tumultuous time in my life when my parents broke up and uh, I wrote this song about it. And I realized like the sort of transformative power of music, you know, turning something that was so terrible um in my life to something you know almost joyful in this song birds and that kind of became the the antithesis of of why i do this you know and so many times in in any profession but especially art you have to ask yourself why like it's always about the why like you might get some credibility or you might get streams but it's like will that necessarily translate to like making a living like who knows like it's so hard to make a living with music so I have to ask myself why and it's like well I I feel like you know I have to like I feel like it's the only thing that um feels true and right in my life and I'm still learning so much about it and there's so much room for growth um but but yeah we we put out music last year for the first time and uh, our work it somehow was our first song and kind of like birds it was a song that um was from a really rough time in my life you know i lost a friend not not to to death or anything but just you know lost a friend and um and uh it was really hard for me a really really close friend and um and i just kind of somehow knew in my heart that you know even though we weren't talking that it w- it would just work out and so I kind of made a song about that and um, work at some was our, our first single. And, and it's, it's still one of my favorite songs to play. I'm doing a little uh, acoustic set on Monday at the Ziggy hotel. If you guys are around, okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it on Monday. And I just, I just love that song. And um, so we put that song out in April and then we put best shot out in September. And all the while last year we were doing a lot of shows 
that was like my main focus last year was to really do as many shows as we can. Um, we sold out the Viper room, which was such an amazing night. Um, and probably our best show. And, uh, this year, my focus has been more on writing and recording. And I really want to start cataloging this year, but I'm putting out a lot of music. You know, we only put two singles out last year and we already have one under about this year. There's another one coming next month with magic giant. They're an amazing sure. band we have a collaboration with them, uh, in the works. I'm actually playing and, and singing that song on stage with them in Venice tonight. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. They're they're having their tour kickoff show at Venice West tonight. If you guys are around, come. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm singing our, our our new song "Be My Baby" with them. And tomorrow we shoot the music video with them before they leave for for tour. And um, that's been amazing to have a group like that kind of be involved in our process. Basically, their guitar player Zhang got connected to us through one of our old band members, and um, and right away, like he just saw my vision and and really supported us from the start as this sort of co-writer, producer, band coach kind of uh, role. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I, I love him so much. And I'm so grateful for someone that, you know, that th they were doing and are doing like what we want to be doing. Like they're a top tier touring band. And um, and that's really what we want to do. We want to travel and, and play shows and share the message with as many people as we can. Right. Um, and uh, and so we didn't know if we would do a collaboration with them. It was kind of always like talked about. Basically, Zhang co-wrote and produced "Work It Somehow" and "Best Shot," our first two songs. So he's really been instrumental in our whole process and journey. Um, we're going to release the EP uh, this summer that has, um, a lot of songs that we, or, or like four or five songs that we worked with him on. So we're still mm -hmm. kind of in that, you know, phase and, um, and yeah, so we, we, we brought a song to them called be my baby. We hadn't quite hit or landed on, on a chorus yet. And, uh, and they really liked it and they sent us a, a mix of, of the song with Austin, their lead singer singing like a new hook. And we were just like, it was, it was big for us. It was monumental because we were just like, wow, you know, it's, it, it was pretty surreal to hear like my words and my lyrics. And then, you know, this awesome band seeing it and, and wanting to be a part of it and actually elevating the art so much. Mm -hmm. um, so we're very excited about our Magic Giant release coming out. We have, like I said, the show tonight, I'm going to hop on stage and uh, the music video tomorrow and uh nice. we're gonna do a double ep this summer which is gonna be really cool like oh. i mentioned kind of kind of like we have one that we did with magic giant we're with with zang rather he he was kind of uh, the producer of these three or four songs and then we're gonna do an ep pretty much directly after that that's a little bit more in the alternative rock um uh scene or or, or a scale if you will mm -hmm. and uh that's really what i see for the band being alternative rock and so i feel like i want to transition the sound a little bit there with that double ep and then i feel like the stage will be set for our, our debut album this fall right that's great that's yeah, great, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the music and i can kind of tell how it would uh it could appeal to people who like later relying k like uh you know from the forget not slow down collapsible long air for free era where they yeah. kind of expanded their sound like you definitely have that like rock sound but with some like 
contemporaneous elements like Reliant K has been doing recently. So I can really see how like a Reliant K fan would enjoy your music. I could see how it was written by, you know, written by a Reliant K fan. Also, just as you were describing the Work It Out song, which I listened to, but I didn't kind of glom onto what it was about. That's a topic that comes up in Reliant K songs all the time, because since we go song by song, there are so yeah. many Reliant K songs that are about him trying to work out things with friends and yeah. work out his relationships. And it's and like it's a famous line from another song. I don't mean just with girls. I mean, with everyone yeah. from Chapstick Chaplips. Like right. he's always talking about like he mes- like who I am, he's who I've been is about you've messed up with a friend and you want to work it out. And there's a, t- we actually call them bad friend Tyson songs because it's like, a, <laughs> it's like a theme that constantly comes up on every album. Like he's always trying to like work on himself and his re- interpersonal relationships. So like there's yeah. already that kind of connective tissue there. If oh, a uh, Reliant K fan checks out Kid Baron. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, def- I don't know if we can make it tonight, <laughs> but like, I'm definitely <laughs> But I definitely want to check out uh, some of your shows in the future. Now that we know, now that we all know we're in the same city. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We didn't. I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're very influential in my sort of process. You know, how I write is very much just about everyday things that happen to me. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that's the most, the most pure way to do it. Sort of art is like, um, uh, taking what's on the inside and, and and creating a visual or tangible expression in, in the real world, some real world, something something that you can see and feel, and uh, and the best way to do it is just, just like actually taking you know experiences from from your life. And uh, it's interesting; I didn't even realize that that uh, you know our first song was about you know a friendship. And uh, I feel like relationships are you know the most important thing to to me. You know, people mm-hmm. and. And other and, and and getting to know people and loving people and uh you know short sort of helping you know what i mean and I, I think that when you're on your deathbed you're not really looking back at like i wish i worked more or i wish i made more money or i wish i i got the newest iphone and it's like i wish i spent more time with people you mm-hmm. know like people that i love so i feel like um yeah it's interesting i didn't really realize that that connection that they do yeah. have a lot of songs about friendships and, and stuff like that right yeah, I so we didn't even touch on I didn't we didn't ask anything about your acting because uh so when we started talking on DM I was like I had I looked to try and DB and I'm like oh I think I've heard of the Thundermans <laughs> but it's clearly yeah. like past our our time. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and so I you know and I started checking out some of your things. I I recognized that you were in uh the Super Sons uh you did a, right. you, you were yeah. Damian Wayne. That's really <laughs> yes. cool. Yeah, because I've been a, I've been a DC comic fan forever, and I you know I keep up on not every new comic, but I know all the new storylines and I read a lot Thank of stuff. You. So the fact that you're Damian Wayne, that's really awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm yeah. very excited about it. I, I hope I get to continue to to play it because I, honestly, it was like the most fun I've had on a movie. Like I haven't done. Uh, many movies. I, I've done much more TV in my in my day, and so this this role of Damien was like so so cool I mean to be a part of that family and that universe you know and to have a Robin that's like so unique you know there's like I didn't even know there was like so many Robins you know what I mean uh you know he's actually Batman's son you know he didn't really grow up with his dad you know he is Ra's al Ghul's uh grandson and uh, he kind of grew up as a you know crazy little assassin and was super deadly and whatever and 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 then the movie you should check it out it's like the best movie ever like it's yeah, such it's, it's a, really good 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I watch all those DC animated movies. I've been watching them since the first one, which was like in 2009 or something. The Death of yeah. Superman. I've been watching each one. And they some of them are really good, some of them dip in quality, but this is uh-huh. one of the real this is one of the really good ones, especially yeah. since it was like that cel-shaded CGI style. I was a little yeah. reticent of that at first, but it looks really right. good. Like it's a, it's it's one of the best ones. And she's Thank a big you. Superman and Supergirl fan. Yeah. So there was something there, and I'm a big Batman <laughs> fan, so it's like a perfect thing. Awesome. And, and this is a really random, almost pointless uh reference, but it's true. When we were gonna interview John Schneck from from uh green k oh my god from, <laughs> i don't reliant know I, k. from reliant k we were going to interview john schneck from reliant k i was researching all of his like i was listening to interviews he had already done so we could avoid questions he's answered and he had just this is like back in 2000 like 12 or something or whenever the comic came out he was reading the super sons comic at the time and he talked about that comic back then like in interviews and I'm like this is so random that the comic book of member of Reliant K <laughs> talked about in multiple interviews like 10 years ago you're a voice in this CGI movie there's no point in mentioning that it's just one of those weird <laughs> no, things crazy. that I gotta express <laughs> that's so crazy man. yeah I mean it's all it's all connected <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know if that doesn't count as serendipity, but it's like, yeah, it's like weird connections. Yeah, that's a things. big DC fan. Yeah, he's a big DC <laughs> comics fan. Um, that's it's awesome. so, it's maybe so funny. That'll be, maybe that'll be my end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could definitely like let him know, like, hey, I'm Damian Wayne in the yeah. Super Sons movie, and I almost guarantee he'll know what you're talking. He will know I'll what you're talking about. A, I'll send him a voice and be like, "What's up, man? It's Damian, you know." <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, so you were on Nickelodeon and we, we were the past our time. So I was not familiar with like the Thundermans yeah. or any of that stuff, but yeah. then I was like, you know, double checking some stuff on YouTube and you just presented at the kids choice awards like this week or last week or something. It just happened. And I got to ask because, you know, I watched the kids choice awards up until I was like 19 or something like a little <laughs> later than I should have. But <laughs> I got to know, is it actually as loud there as it seems like in the show? Or do they pipe it louder in the like studio, <laughs> like, the, I, like I, the kids yelling in the, in the crowd? I can't tell you for sure. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they were to fabricate a little bit of it. Okay. There's thousands of kids in there. You know, I remember I was, you know, it'd been years since we, me and Kira and my co-star were, were really in the spotlight like that and um you know it was a lot of pressure and i remember being backstage and seeing some like really famous people and being like oh my gosh you know <laughs> and we're basically have our microphones and we're like we're standing um you know behind the little entry where we walk out and present the award and it's loud like you're saying and i just i just go to her i, I, I whisper to her and we you know we know each other so well you know because we did 100 episodes plus of, of the thundermans and i was just like I'm feeling it too. Like we're, we're gonna be good. We're, we're gonna be good. You no, know, because it's at the end of the day, like it's just the kids' choice awards, but like it's the kids' choice awards. You right. know, like a lot of any anything with like that amount of people looking at you is a lot of pressure. And uh, you know, I, I actually we had a little bit on stage and 
you know, I memorized it, right? And I mm. and I they always tell you to just read the teleprompter. But I was like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna be good. Like, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna perform it. I'm gonna perform it. I'm gonna hit all my beats, you know. And um, you know, Kira's reading it on the teleprompter like a good actress, like she should. <laughs> and uh, and I'm kind of like playing to the audience. I'm like playing to Kira, you know. And there is a moment that basically the line was like. Um, I kind of joke that I'm going to accept this award. Like I'll accept this award, Kira. And um, I'm basically like, and she's like, no, like we're presenting the award, Jack. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and I basically, I, I, I kind of joke around and, uh, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I kind of thought we were, we were giving the award for like hunkiest male or something like that. And right in that line, I kind of had like a little, like a stutter. I was like, hunkiest male you know <laughs> and uh and i like was beating myself up over it uh a- after we went off stage i was like i messed up you know and my mom in the in the audience i took my mom and and she took a video and i watched it back i was like okay like it actually it actually didn't play that bad like it's crazy that things like that happen on stage you know i was able to kind of play it off with my experience and whatever i did have a, a moment where I was like, what am I saying? But I was kind of able to sort of play it off. And uh, it's funny when you're on stage like that, everything just seems like such a bigger deal than it actually is. Right. But uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting you bring it up, man. It's it was a really fun day, and I hadn't been on the on that carpet in in four years since 2019, and I'm like a literally like such a different person than I was that year. Right. Like that's the year that. Um, I really like it was March and when I started the band was like end of that year in 2019 and so I've just been through like so much since then and I was really really proud of kind of the way that I handled myself and I I styled myself and you know there's a video of me kind of on the carpet and it's a lot of pressure, you know, Jack, Jack and cameras mm-hmm. flashing and, you know, and I looked, I looked good. I looked calm and, and confident. And, uh, I was really, I really feel like I have like weathered the storm of these past few years in a really, um, you know, somewhat graceful way for the most part. Um, you know, we all kind of have our, our, our times where, you know, we don't know what's going on, but, you know, I, I keep my family close. Me and my mom are really close. I, I call my siblings uh, a lot and I, I, I try not to have, uh, yes, people around me too much and, mm. uh, try to stay in touch with my, my hometown friends. And, uh, I feel like all, all of these things sort of, uh, um, kind of, uh, keep a sense of, of, of normalcy, uh, about my life, you know, right. um, it's really easy to, kind of buy into people when they're like singing your praises and, and whatever um you know you kind of have to remember that you know you put one you know leg on at a time just right. like everybody else. everybody poops like you know what I mean? <laughs> just, you know because it, it is being in hollywood is just so easy to be like when people like I've, I've had so many friends that you know get famous or whatever and they're like oh yeah like I was right all along. I'm the best. It's just, it's just important to, you know, to kind of stay, stay grounded, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it, it seems like, it seems like a really genuine transition that you made to, from like this, I can't even imagine, I don't know, being a kid actor on television. And then this seems like a really genuine transition to like this band where you're personally really expressing yourself 
And I know like there have been a lot of like kid actors who uh, go on to other pursuits and sometimes people make fun of it or whatever, but like, this seems like a really genuine band. Like I really, I really like these songs and I'm like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that thing to me of like, Oh, this was a kid actor. Like, no, this is a really good band. I really enjoyed these songs. And I just want to impress yeah. that. Like if anyone wants to check these out, like they're, they're definitely for Reliant K fans and, you know, like the, the fact that, you know, uh, you, you know, I mean, that's what brought us together is Relying K. <laughs> we, right, that's right. the main thing that brought us together. And like, you know, the, I feel like if you're a Relying K fan, like you got to kind of stay grounded because that's what a lot of their music is about. Their music yeah. is about like staying connected and not, yeah. and, and like that is so much of Matt Thiessen's writing is like, he definitely writes a lot about uh, like, you know, trying to, trying to stay friends with people who you've messed up with or trying to remember who you are both in a, like a spiritual sense, but also just kind of like in a everyday sense. So it's like, yeah, it, it, I, I could definitely see, uh, I can definitely feel the influence of that in just this conversation that we're, we're having. Like it's, it's, so great that uh, a band like Reliant K can influence people in different ways and all kind of intertwine into our stories. And it's, it all kind of comes together. Am I making any sense right now? Totally, <laughs> are. Yeah. totally bro. I appreciate all of it. Yeah. It was amazing to talk to you guys today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let's keep it in touch. You should come out to a show or something when you Definitely. get a yeah. chance. Yeah. Um, congratulations. You're both pregnant. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I'm pregnant. <laughs> Is that that's uh, not paternal twins, yeah. right? What is that called? <laughs> no, yeah, we've been trying for a real long time, so we're excited. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's your first. Congrats. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It, it was a it was a storyline on our podcast because, <laughs> like, yeah, we we not a storyline <laughs> that makes it seem impersonal, but it was a thing we've been talking about on our podcast. Is like we've been trying for a really hard time for a really long time, and it finally happened. So we had like all these friends around the world excited for us to listen to our podcast yeah. and it was like really yeah. exciting yeah that's so exciting how far along are you uh five months <laughs> so uh, 21 weeks <laughs> yeah amazing that's so cool I love I mean I, I definitely want to have have kids one day I'm a big believer in power of family and two parents and uh yeah I think that's it's amazing it's the, honestly like the pinnacle of what you can do here you know what I mean yeah. like pass on the yeah. good things that you've learned and uh you know, it's a, it's a huge, huge accomplishment. So, uh, I mean, you, you know, still got a ways to go, but yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah. Wish you guys the best. Absolutely. Thank you. So is there anything, uh, you want to direct people towards to check out of yours, like your Instagram, yeah. your, your Spotify, anything like that? Sure. Yeah. So my Instagram is just my name, Jack Griffo. And I, I kind of do most, all of my, um, posting and kind of updates on there. Um, I do have a Twitter, same thing, Jack Griffo, and my my band stuff is pretty much Kid Baron music everywhere, um, and our our Spotify obviously is, is Kid Baron. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of music coming out this year. Like I mentioned before, we're we're really gonna um, start cataloging this year and put um, a lot a lot of music out, two EPs and, and an album. So it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. And our last single is doing uh like exponentially better than our first two which is like so encouraging you know and um it's it's really cool to kind of see a little bit of momentum happening and it encourages me to kind of really put because now I'm, I'm honestly in this phase of like i've been writing for like six months straight and 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 getting songs together and i feel like now i have 
you know, the double EP and the album. So it's kind of in the, in the, all right, we're, we're going to finish these projects phase right now, which is really, really cool and exciting. And I've been collaborating with cool songwriters and stuff. And I still have some songwriters that I want to start collaborating with, but that now is going to be the next phase and the next album of, of next year, which is like, I can't believe that's even happening. Cause for three years now, it's been like, we're figuring this out. We're going to, you know, play a lot and we're going to write a lot. And now we're like putting out music. It's really, it's really cool. So yeah, Kid Baron, Jack Riffo, I love all you guys. And uh, it's great to, great to meet you guys. You guys are awesome. And uh, definitely catch a Reliant K show together. One of yeah. These <laughs> hopefully they tour on the way. I mean, aside from the festival dates, one's in Alabama, one's over here in Vegas, but like, hopefully they do a West Coast, a West Coast tour. tour. A proper West Coast tour. Yeah. Hey, maybe yeah. Kid Baron will open. You know yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I just got to send a little Damian Wayne. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Baron wants to be your opener. <laughs> exactly. Uh, awesome, guys. awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. All right.